20,000 right there. 20 Gun damn thousand revolutions per minute. Been practicing for about 12 years. Been doing it professionally for three or four. I saw your tweets, so I wanted to stop by, but I wanted to respect your space. That's why I'm hanging back. That's cool. I met Alana. We met at a bar. She was, she was drunk. I was kicking it there. I was, I was on a nitrous come down, and so I was a little more open than you. So I went up to her, just talked to her, and we, we banged that night. Hell yeah, I get faded off of the nitrous oxide. I get, I get faded off the of nitrous oxide, then I pull up some episodes of Charm on my DVR, watch those. It's not my favorite show sober, but on nitrous oxide, Charm is my favorite show, yes. Oh, don't be so hard on yourself. Nobody's perfect. I'm not a perfect dentist. I eat candy all the time. I got like six cavities. Lincoln Rice, DDS. DDS stands for Dentistry Don't Stop. Hi everyone, and welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. This is one of your hosts, Neo, and um, coming to you always uh, with me is uh, host Solbro and Chris. Guys, say hello. Good evening. Yo. And uh, in this episode, wow, we're just gonna we for a while there we were saying we we're just gonna go to one segment. Now we're back to two segments. Holy and shit! And we're gonna be giving you a double shot of kicking off. Uh, Votoms Roundup, Armored Trooper Votoms Roundup, uh, mm-hmm. kind of like what we did for Macross and Gundam and who else? Oh, um, Pat Labor. And I think those are the only roundups we've done where we actually go through all the shows and OVAs and movies. So we're going to be doing uh, the first, uh, the, the, the show that started off, Armored Trooper Votoms, 52 episode um, TV show. From what is it, 84, 85, I believe. Uh, Chris, you would probably know, right? I think 83 to 84. Yeah. 83 to 84, and it was somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. So uh, definitely be going on that. And then uh, second segment is going to be our continuing reviews of the uh, vertical release of Gundam: The Origin, and this is going to be going into Volume Five, which is titled what is it titled? Star and Sailor, I believe. Yes, yes, indeed. Yes, it is. And that will go into even more uh, areas that we never saw before when uh, Viz was doing Gundam The Origin. So we'll be <laughs> talking about that. A lot of good stuff there. As uh, seems uh, uh, going back into the flashback moment, it kind of seems appropriate with um, the news that we had at last episode about the Gundam The Origin um, anime that's going to be coming out here whenever. So... Um, but yes, guys, anything before we uh, go into some Neo's Listener Submitted News? I'm excited to hear what's developing out there in the world of Mecha <clears throat> News, man. Yes, Chris, anything? Any, no. uh, can't don't, don't have to take Grandpa to the, to the casino tonight? Nope. <laughs> okay, not a problem. 
Well, as I'm going over to the Larry, the Lord Larry King. You are the king. You are the king. Memorial News Studio. We'll be doing some Neo's listener submitted news, and you can always submit your articles in the Neo's listener submitted news articles thread in the Gundam section of the Mecha Talk forum. And before we begin some more house cleaning, I know I said this last episode, I'm going to say it this episode, and since it's baseball season, I'm going to just say after that, three strikes are out. Guys, view your neighbor's posts previously. Sometimes it might be on the previous page. There's something called dates. Let's look to see because I, I love the enthusiasm, but double posting just doesn't work out for everyone. You know, it's like one person already did it. If they if they beat you to it, hey, that's the news game. You got to move on and go to the next story. So, um, like I said, three strikes, you're out. And uh, this is, I am making this the Hunger Games news. So, you know what happened in that movie. So, <laughs> but uh but yes, thank you once again. Thank you for the enthusiasm, but definitely check up on your neighbors. Make sure that they didn't one-up you, and if they did, then just move on to the next thing. But I prefer the right will... man, personally. <laughs> well, come on. That's 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 prior to 2000. Oh, Jesus, 2000. you're right. You're yeah, right. it's like anime. I don't watch anything before year 2000. That what movie's too old, about? right? <laughs> too old. <laughs> Pedal bear of film. Yes. <laughs> Pedo Bearful, too too old. Mm-hmm. But um, okay, so thank you. And uh, the first poster we have here comes from Rodimus76, and he has a link here. And I had heard about this, and I, I, I don't even understand why they're doing this. But they're, he's he's posting off the Geek Tyrant, and it looks like it's nothing really too too confirmed. But I guess some of the the feelers are out there, and the rumors are going, and the rumors are gaining strength. How they do in the old Hollywood land there. A possibility of a Battlestar Galactica movie? Yeah. I know this has been talked about previously, and uh, I don't want to go too, too much into this, but uh, one of the things is, uh, one of the questions I would be is why? Um, And secondly, (laughs) my next question would be why? And my third question would be, um, what are you, fucking stupid? But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, Because the and the only rumor that I had heard, heard previously is they might go to the previous Battlestar Galactica, the one from the 70s, mm-hmm. where it was more, you know, like Star Wars and stuff like that, and blasters and no drinking, no sex, um, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. People <laughs> had one name. People mm-hmm. had one name. It was just mm-hmm. Adama. He wasn't Bill. And, you know, so, but and yeah. Sparkly outfits, yes. Yes. Yeah. It's you all, guys it's excited all about this? If this happens, I mean, I can't really, I can't really see Galactica going on without the Admiral in it. But hey, what do I know? I don't. I mean, I don't think they've confirmed any uh, of how it's going to be rendition, honestly. And we we do know it's not going to contain uh, anybody from the reboot. Sadly, as you, as you mentioned, um, I don't know. I mean, if they can find a way to top the 2000s reboot, man, I'm not against it. But. Uh, it's it's a tough act to follow. It honestly is. Edward James almost made it that way, and so did uh, all the people behind it. So I don't know. Um, I I I'm not going to write it off completely, but I'm going to go into that movie theater with a huge bias. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Chris, any any thoughts on this or? All of this has happened before, and all of it will happen I mean, again. Yeah. You know, it kind perfect. of established that, right? <laughs> 
and I think I think one of the points you brought up, Solbro, is they talk about in this article, and they say, can they can the people if they do this, can they create a successful two-hour story for people who aren't fans of either series too? Yeah. So that's that's always your challenge with uh, with old movies. But uh, thank you, uh, Mister Rodimus seventy six. And then the next one here just comes from Yokozuna Bulldozer. This has got nothing to do with anything that we talk about on Mecha Talk or on Gundam, but it was a sad thing to say. We, we've, we've all said our things about it, and we're all shocked that the Ultimate Warrior had died. Yeah. And it was really sad to see if you... To the I saw the YouTube. Well, I didn't see the Raw that night, but I saw the YouTube of his speech, and it's like, wow. Then you saw that he dropped dead like two, 24 hours later. That's I'm surprised right. he didn't drop dead in the ring because he he did not look very good. But yeah, and definitely. His, and his yeah, speech was am, his speech was just very reflective, oh, awesome. and, yeah. and 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 made you feel like those those were his last words. Like you know, technically publicly they were, but you know, it just was real eerie to see him go like that, and. Um, <laughs> And and I mean I mean it, it's not a surprise because he he did have health issues but you know just on going out on top like that is isn't is is just was, sometimes scary. He was fifty one I think yeah. so yeah it's kind of kind of a shock for somebody that but you know unfortunately we see a lot of wrestling guys uh, you know have these issues as they get older so uh, the wear and tear but, man. So Chris anything on the Ultimate Warrior? No. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Yokozuna Bulldozer, for your submission, even though it had nothing to do with Mecca. So <laughs> next one here comes from uh, Wielder, and he's got a, a source here from the Anime News Network, and it sounds like Gear and Lagan. You guys ever hear of this show? No. It's an anime done a couple years ago. Isn't that uh, the best eight-episode show ever? <laughs> I think it is. I think it is. It, it ran for like 24 or 25, but yeah, just those first eight episodes are the ones that anybody cares about, so... But um, this will be exciting. Uh, looks like it's going to receive a stage play adaptation, uh, and it's going to kick off in the Tokyo Zenrosai Hall Space Zero Theater from October 22nd to the 26th. So it's going to be it's being produced full co- cooperation with Studio Gynex, and it's going to present some new material that wasn't to be presented in the original TV anime series. And it says here that. Japanese musician and actor Izom is he related to the Big Zom? He's Izom. He's, <laughs> he's scripting and producing the play. So, um, um, yeah, I mean, all I'm thinking of is like, what is it? Uh, uh, Pirates of Penzance, but with Gurren Lagann. Oh, That'd be Jesus. hilarious, right? <laughs> well, no, nobody tell Pedro, or he'll sell his liver to like fly over to Japan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you this much, Pedro. If you're going to sell your liver, I'd like to be the third-party broker on this one. So uh, <laughs> I might might know some people. But, yes, uh, thank you, Mr. Wielder, for your submission. Oh, and then, and this is what I'm talking about, the first one here. And uh, old Robo Lizard was the first one, so I'll give it to him. Mm-hmm. And, but yet old Nasty Nate, he was the idiot. Didn't, didn't read. And, it, and what's funny is... Uh, Mr. Robo Lizards, um, it's only one, it's one, there's one link, or there's one post between Robo Lizards and what Nasty Nate did. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> so, and, uh, their, uh, their article here, and I, I think this is funny, and I'm, I'm sure nerds all over orgasm when they did this, because I, I think she's still pretty much accepted with the, she's still the, uh, the nerd fantasy, right? Megan Fox, the, uh, the awful actress for such things as, like, uh, Transformers and stuff 
and and, and, and more recently, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh boy! Yes. <laughs> yeah, I guess they were talking to her about you know she was doing some stuff for the Mutant Ninja Turtles things, and she was talking about like future live action adaptations, and she talked about. Uh, wanting to see maybe Gundam Wing and Thundercats and Sailor Moon. So. Wow, I, but I thought they did a Sailor Moon one though. That was Japanese though, right? Uh, well, they did the live did. action movie, right? No, I mean, but it was a TV show. It was a TV show. It was a Tokusatsu. Oh, it was a Tokusatsu right. TV show, and it was it was fun to watch. But a live action Sailor Moon, man. I think years ago you probably could have gotten away with that off of the popularity, but nowadays I don't know. She's bringing up all these ninety properties that she happened to just glance on Toonami, and now she wants to see them become live action. Where, how dare where, you? Where, how dare you? Where were you? Where were you in the nineties when we were signing petitions? Come on now. How do you know she wasn't <laughs> she was, signing this petition? She was probably like fifteen. Oh man. Oh. Hey man, there's, there's plenty of fifteen year olds signing petitions. Man, come on. She was in. The, she was probably in that wheelhouse more than you were at oh, that they, time. <laughs> Holy it shit. made sense for her, a 15-year-old girl, to watch Sailor Moon, not mm-hmm. you. And according and to uh, the interwebs here, she is 27, so... Oh, man. She's not the spring chicken anymore, yeah. She's not like she well, was... Well, the point is that she would not have been in any position... To what to work Back in those days, oh, be like, Megan who? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We didn't care who she, who she was. So. I, I want to I wanna give a nod to Amaro NT1, who told me about this, and... Um, I, I joked to him. Uh, he actually joked to me. He said, I love you, SBR, but I, if you dare suggest that egotistical block of wood play Relina, I will end you. Because, <laughs> you know, he, he, uh, Amaro NT1, because you know how much he loves his, uh, uh, his gun to wing. Play, oh, egotistical is... block of wood? Uh, that, that would be Megan Fox. Megan Fox. Oh, playing Relina? Playing Relina. If she, like, wants that to be made just so she could cast, have herself casted in the movie, um, you know, that, that would be, that would even, that would be insult to injury, Kill really. Me, hero. <laughs> I hope she would. I hope he would off the first frame. <laughs> kill, kill my brother. Oh God, maybe she'd fall to just let her fall. just let it be um, Dorothy, and everyone will just hate her even more. <laughs> See, I don't, I don't have a problem with Dorothy. I don't know why people hate on her. I mean, she's not the greatest of characters, but I didn't. I don't give hate her the stupid her. eyebrows. Yes, yes, yeah. that would be amazing. <laughs> Those eyebrows between that and her hammer thumbs, man, good shit. <laughs> that is that is that is true. So oh, make it. Um, all right. Well, uh, thank you, Mister Robo Lizard two 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 and Nasty Nate. And remember what I say: three strikes you're out. This is baseball season, so we don't want to do any of that. But uh, next one here comes from M one twenty one Akuma, and it's just a quick nod. Uh, I guess Gundam the Origin Volume Two uh, or Volume Five. I'm sorry, Volume Two. Uh, was topping the bestseller manga list um, for uh, on the New York Times. So, uh, what? yeah, New York Science Times, and this is from date around. The article is from Japaninator, uh, and the article's dated. Is there a date on this goddamn article? I think it's around the beginning of April. It's April the 11th, actually. April the 11th. Yeah, top New York Times top three mangas. Well, uh, coming in at number three was Attack on Titan Volume One. Mm-hmm. Two was Soul Eater Volume 19, and number one was Mobile Suit Gundam The Origin Volume 5. The Tears of Time had happened. <laughs> so, wait, that was Zeta Gundam, sorry. Uh, but thank you, Mr. M121 Akuma, for your submission. See, we, we helped it. 
I would hope so. Gundam, Gundam gets no credit for helping this go to the top here. After what? <laughs> Chris uh, ridiculing these poor people to buy this? <laughs> yeah, I, I think, honestly, I think Chris's speech held a lot of weight against a lot of fans who say they're going to support something and then they turn around and don't. So, um, you know, he, he never he, discount the power of shame. You call people out on their bullshit. And uh, they've been buying, man. I, I always ask the uh, the people of the boards of the Facebook group and um, of on Twitter to always send me the pictures of their uh, their copies of Gundam: The Origin. And I'm always amazed at how many people um, show that they bought theirs and they have it, and uh, that they're enjoying it all along. So I hope that keeps up, man. Uh, continue to support this book; it's increasing in quality and 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 incredibleness. I, I love this book, man. It's great. You'll be real dick as if someone trolled you. Uh-huh. I tweeting you a picture of their torrent. <laughs> I'm sure someone will one day. I'm sure someone will. With like their thumbs up in front of the phone and the screen. Nice. <laughs> like uh, like uh, MySpace Tom. <laughs> That's our picture. We're like, kind of we're, wrapping around. <laughs> wearing a shower mask all the while. Like, hey, so hey, so bro, my order came in. <laughs> It'll be done downloading in five seconds. Well, <laughs> the balls, the scrotes on that guy, the scrotes on him. But uh, yeah, uh, it's it's awesome. I, I I hope it continues, and um, it's good to hear news like this. And um, vertical, a little kickback, please. That'd be always be appreciated. Um, so I'll address the, the you know the 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 thing in the room, <laughs> you know the girl in the room there. The elephant. <laughs> a little kickback here, but uh, so thank you. All right. Now it is time for some robot apocalypse news. Why is Neo so robophobic? Oh my god, and it's the first one here is scary just because I don't know why they're doing this. But once again, this is an example of someone not looking a few posts prior to see if something was linked. So I will give double credit for this one. But once again, three strikes you're out. Uh, (laughs) And this is coming from both Event Noir, the evil Australian himself. And he was the first poster because, I mean, what the hell else he's got to do? He sits in prison all day. Um, So, and Rodimus 76. And they they have a link here to the Geeks Are Sexy website, and this is someone just built a robot bionic kangaroo. Yes. What? For what reason? No reason. Just to jump around and rip people's faces off. Yes. It's a, uh, it's a robot kangaroo that jumps around. This is terrible. I don't have the words. <laughs> you don't have the words to comment on this. I don't understand this. I guess the robot apocalypse will start in Australia. Oh, damn. Ah, but there could be a purpose for this because mm-hmm. in a obscure G Gundam manga, Neo Australia was represented by the Jumping Gundam, <laughs> which was a kangaroo Gundam that had a smaller kangaroo in its pouch. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I believe the fighter was a kangaroo. Wow. Okay, with boxing so, gloves. Goodness. And, okay, so that, that makes sense then because that was made because that's how all war ended. We just uh, had the Gundam fight. Okay, so maybe they're thinking ahead there, the Australians. I yes. don't know. Hmm. The trainer right now. I don't know. <laughs> all right. Well, anyways, thank you, Mr. Rodimus76 and Vent Noir for your submission. Oh, the next one here comes from Vent Noir again, the Evil Australian. This is, <laughs> I, I love the way that he says this. The uh, U.S. Air Force says drones won't carry nukes. 
for now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess the uh, good old Air Force has no plans on having uh, any nuclear weapons on uh, drones for a while, so um, it, it, they've uh, they've released a statement. Certain missions, such as a nuclear strike, may not be technically feasible unless safeguards are developed, and even then they may not be considered for UAS uh, unmanned aircraft systems operations. <laughs> Ethical discussions and pol- policy decisions must be taken place in the near term to guide the development of future UAS uh, capabilities rather than allowing the development to take its own path from this critical guidance. Yes, uh, I'd have to think we'd all would want to be behind this thing. Uh, no nukes on drones. Yeah, that, that that's probably a good thing, right? That's, that's never a good, it's never a good look, ever. Well, it's, it's not a good equation. Unmanned drone, yeah. nuclear weapon equals what? Uh, Skynet? <laughs> yeah, put, yes. put the nukes on the drones. It's, it's fine. We're just, giving them, yeah. we're just giving them the keys to the no castle. No problem. It's like, here, here you go, robot. Here you go, robots, man. Just just, just, just take the world from us, please. No. No. Why are you doing You saying? would all be terminated. If they're considering it, if they even thought about this as a possibility... Oh, you know there's they did. Some, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. Well, no, I'll tell you what I tell. You. They may not have thought about it publicly, mm-hmm. but I'm sure when the contractor came in, it's like, hey, you do know that we've increased <laughs> the ability of our drones, where we can have a small, compact, tactical nuclear device on here, mm-hmm. because you know tactical's a lot less, more potent than strategic. But you know, we'll still pretty much, you know, screw up half a city. You know, but hey. I'm sure that discussion was how it was like, hey, we've improved the we've improved the load variances on the wings, and uh, <laughs> now we can have small tactical nuclear weapons on here because you know, hey, always need those. But um, yeah, God, thank Enrico. you, Mister. <laughs> yes, thank you, Mister Vent Noir, for your submission. Oh, and Vent- man, Vent Noir must have been in. The- he must not have gotten any yard time mm-hmm. uh, because. <laughs> He's got another post here, mm-hmm. and it's saying here that Japanese robots, Japanese robots, are in danger of being replaced by human workers. Whoa! This isn't even a robot apocalypse news. Whoa! This is this, like the is, reverse. Is this like human resistance news. Oh. This is human resistance news, <laughs> and that is going to be our new news topic now. Robot apocalypse, and we're going to offset up our human resistance news. Yes. <laughs> up a Cylon into the CIC. There you go. Yes, it looks like uh, companies like Toyota and stuff are saying, okay, the robots do some things well, but some of these other manual skills, we need humans. This is like, I, this is what I like. Uh, Toyota citing things like becoming more solid and getting back to basics. Yes, <laughs> to sharpen our manual skills and further development is what Toyota CEO Mitsuhiro Kawa wants humans to take place in machines and plants across Japan, so workers can develop new skills and figure out ways to improve production lines and the car building process. And I got to say, Mr. Kawa, you're a true American hero, even though you're Japanese. <laughs> you, want me to, you want me to give you a little, a little, a little boost for this important uh, piece of news here? What's that? Newsflash! Destination Tokyo! Mm. Humanity takes its first strike against the evil of the machines. Yes. There you go. Nice. Yes. Nice. Yeah, a little, a little, a little, uh, a little old timey preview right there. 
Well, if, I mean, if you kind of think about this, yes, the robots are good for production, but as processes need to be improved, robots not going to give you any input on it. And I know people will say, yeah, let's give them, let's give production line robots AI to do this. No, we don't want this because we've seen the tomes. This is where it gets really bad. But yes, this man is a true. I need to contact him because he he may become a general in the Human Resistance Army. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Mr. Vent Noir, for your submission of the new thing, Human Resistance News. Human Resistance to the over, uh, Robot Overlords, Robot Overlord Oppressor News. Yes, I love this. There you go, man. Think, uh, you're inventing all, so, all sorts of new segments today. So. <laughs> <laughs> I've, only, I've only invented one. So uh, next one here comes from my arch nemesis, RoboLizard222. And, you know, we talked about this a couple episodes ago. One of the one of the things that Gundam's against is cats on Roombas. Oh, of course. Because this is just, these are going to be the, the minions of the robot apocalypse. <laughs> cats riding Roombas, scratching at our... Scratching at our ankles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is where, and if you see people doing this, you need to label them and let me know because these are human traders. Sounds like there's a, uh, from Slate.com, people are dressing up their Roomba vacuum cleaners. Uh, they're also naming them. Like some guys, he named his Roomba Roswell, the Roomba. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so people are dressing these things up and giving them names. Um, this is my Roomba. There are many others like it, but this one is mine. <laughs> yeah, what pretty is, much. What is it? Are they going to start to have relationships with these Roombas? What is this? Her? <laughs> without the Scarlett Johansson? Oh, yeah, especially without the and, Scarlett and, Johansson. And you gotta, get, you gotta give it to Robo, Robo Lizard here, 222, because he goes, he goes, when I get my Roomba, are you going to name it Adama? No, I'm not going to name it Adama, because <laughs> it'll probably stop working at that point. It'll be like, oh shit, he's the guy with the freaking the flashlight. He'll kill me. Nah, man, Edward James almost will just show up at your doorstep and slap the shit out of you. <laughs> Pretty much. Can't do that. You think I could actually go to the next Human Resistance Army meeting and sit there and go, oh, hey, Hey, Edward. Uh, yeah, I just got a Roomba, and I just named it uh, Adama. He flipped the table. <laughs> yeah, he flipped the goddamn table on me. I pay money to see that. <laughs> and Robo Lizard follows up with our final article on Robot Apocalypse News. Well, wait a second. I actually have oh. a live submission that's Roomba-related because I was Yo. too lazy to post it in the thread. Oh, shit. Okay. Oh, shit. Okay. This just in. This but just in. If you if you head over to theverge.com, mm-hmm. uh, iRobot, the maker of the Roomba, mm-hmm. is anticipating that in the next few years they will create robots that will be more advanced and be able to do even more tasks for you like laundry and other things. Oh, nice. And death. Oh, good, good. After they after the well, after they fold would they my name clothes. It? Would it be would it be like Washa? Washa? Yeah, my Washa needs to do my color pieces. Washa, mm. a Roomba. Oh my God, this is just this is not good. So after it folds my clothes, it can fold me in half. Good stuff. Yeah, and, pretty much. Nice. And if you see like a, a a mounting slot for a cat to sit on, don't don't pay any mind. Ooh, man, <laughs> if, if, if they have a if they have a little if they have a little indentation that fits perfectly for a cat to sit down on, yeah, <laughs> definitely no. <laughs> and you know those Roombas were not made in a in a in a production facility with uh, human workers. So, <laughs> and Robo Two follows up with even more potential, and this goes right into uh, <laughs> right into cats riding Roombas. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's talking about how this is coming from the westerner.com. I think this is from Australia because this is AU, and I think that's Australia. But It is indeed. Some professor is using robot animals to help old people with their old people stuff. And basically what they're doing is they're having these robot animals where the, the, um, the old people will talk to them. They're saying it helps with dementia and stuff. And this is where it's dangerous because there's a little picture of this lady, Professor Wendy Moyle, and I'm keeping my eye on you. She's got one of her <laughs> – and it's called a Paro robotic seal. You know those little white seals that they used to club? You know, um, it's dressed up like one of those. So <laughs> this oh, is going to be – so they're going to – I can already see it. The little Paro seals are going to go up to your front door and be like, ar, 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 and you'll be like, oh, little white seal. Next thing you know, flood of cats on Roombas. Nice. Just scratching the shit out of you. There you go. And <laughs> robot lizard. You got Robo lizard, you got to give it to him. He says, old people, they own a lot of animals, don't they? Potential army in the making. <laughs> <laughs> now, now here's a here's a scary thought. Hmm. They start scary producing enough. robot cats, which are then distributed to crazy cat ladies. Oh, oh my god, that's the end of the world right there. <laughs> Definitely, end of the world. Oh my god, can you imagine how many would get bought? <laughs> that that would be a business to invest money in. Although you'd be investing towards our doom, so uh, don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah, well, yeah, that's uh, definitely um, bad. But thank you, Mr. RoboLizard222, for your scary submissions that you've given me. All right, Solbro, hit the alert. Yo, it's time? Yeah, it's, oh, let's it? go. Michael Bay. Michael Bay. Oh, my God, that's bullshit. What the? News is almost over with. <laughs> so we always end up with the best uplifting stuff. Awesome. And uh, some survey news. And the first one here comes from Rodimus76. He's got a link here saying, I guess Peter Laird, he's one of the Ninja Turtle guy. He's one of the creators, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, he is. I guess he's not too happy with the new look of the turtles. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I'm not either, actually. <laughs> and, and you know what? I was able to secure a statement from Sir Bay. You know what he said? What did he say? So. Oh. Damn, I, I really am hoping, and they won't do it, but I, I am hoping that they actually make the turtles look more like the... Oh, wait, uh, Sir Bay gave me more. He's like... What'd he say? Oh, okay. He says, so, and my bank account just grew another $400 million. <laughs> So... Jesus. From Samsung stock alone. <laughs> hey, that was probably one of the, one of the best things ever, because... Hey. Nobody would have cared about that press conference. You know that's the case. Now those TVs are flying <laughs> off the shelves. But uh, yeah, I, no, Samsung mm-hmm. confirmed that. So I mean, hey, hey, Neo, I, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. What's that? What's that? A moral quandary, if you will. Oh, oh no, here oh. we go. Let's say that uh, Samsung, which, as you know, makes many, many appliances, mm-hmm. they decide to buy the Roomba and they start manufacturing a special model Roomba that is personally endorsed by Sir Bay. What, what, what's your, what do you do at this point? Well, he's part of the Joint Chiefs of Staff of the Human Resistance Army, so I doubt he would go that route. But let's say he did. Mm-hmm. Where, where do your loyalties, your conflicted loyalties lie? Uh, I still have to go with humans because <laughs> I will still enjoy Sir Bay's movies. I'm just not going to buy his personalized endorsed Roombas. Neil would be like, Luke, no, it's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. 
I'm gonna be, yeah, I'm gonna be hanging on scaffolding underneath Cloud City, going, "No, join it's me, not Neil. Possible. <laughs> join me. It's been it. It's you don't know the power of Samsung, which is twenty three percent of South power. Korea's GDP. Oh shit! <laughs> once we, once I've secured the Roomba, I will secure robot cats that I will also endorse. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> and they will transform. <laughs> Robot cats confirmed for Transformers Five. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Last movie we ever see. Manufactured by Samsung. Ooh, man. Oh man. So uh, <laughs> promotional consideration by Samsung. Man, the time the time merchandise will be killer. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Well, thank you, Mr. Rodimus seventy six, and and he follows up with. Uh, and this comes off of uh, tfw2000.com. There's a new Transformers from there's a new Transformer character art from Transformers 4: Age of Extinction of All Childhoods, the upcoming survey classic. Mm-hmm. So uh, definitely check that out. It's got some incredible artwork for Optimus Prime, Bumblebee, Hound, Crosshairs. I never who is Crosshairs? I never heard of him. That's new. I, I never heard of that guy either. Okay, Drift, Grimlock, Strafe, Slug, Slash. Oh, Slash is going to be in this? Is he going to be playing guitar? <laughs> I'm certain. <laughs> is he going to is he going to fight uh is he going to fight Axeltron? <laughs> no, he's going to fight the Proto Devlin. <laughs> Scorn, Galvatron, Stinger and Lockdown. So uh, yeah, there's uh, all this new, exciting new art from Transformers 4: Age of All Extinction of All Childhoods, which will kill millions of childhoods this summer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, following up with more, EA Net dude, he has Entertainment Article Weekly talks about the Grimlock details, the next trilogy, and the Bayhem that's in Extinction. Yes, I've heard about this too. Sir Bay has announced that this is going to be a new trilogy of Transformers. But yet, sadly, he said he may not do the other movies, which we'll see how well they do. After every movie. Always, until he sees that <laughs> yeah. paycheck. Until he sees the paycheck from the last movie that he well, did. And it's who, like, who makes... Who, makes, uh, who, who distributes um, Transformers? Paramount. Paramount. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he, cause he said the third one was his final one. Oh, and yeah. Paramount's like, oh, uh, we'll see about that. <laughs> here's, a, here's a blank check. Mm-hmm. Right, in a, right in an amount. <laughs> and, and you know he probably sits there and he's probably like, I'm just going to write an amount that they will never, ever give. They won't give me this much money. And they'll probably say, okay, done. <laughs> he could very well be, and I don't know if this is true or not, but aside from James Cameron, you think Michael Bay might be the, the second best uh, paid director in Hollywood at this point? Because his movies know, have man. been consistent. Spielberg. Spielberg, yeah, but even Spielberg with Robopocalypse couldn't, um, he couldn't get the, uh, the budget uh, approved for that. He wanted a budget of 300 million. They turned him down. And Spielberg yeah, might be about, highly paid. The money he makes also just as a producer, producer. not yeah, even a director. He are, produces right the Transformers. Yeah, he produces, he produces <laughs> television and movies yeah. and, and some games too. So you, you might be right. He, um, from just his producing credits alone, he might be getting paid out the ass. But, um, well, I mean, James Cameron makes more per movie because he puts out less movies. Yeah. Because, I mean... And yeah, also, sure. But also, James Cameron's movies are very far apart because there was yeah. uh, 12 years between Titanic and uh, Blue Space Cats. Yeah. And he, he That's played, what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, real long Sir Bay, he just grinds, man. He's yeah. a grinder. <laughs> just grinds. He gives the people what he wants. I mean, he gives the world what they want. I mean, hey, box office can't be wrong. <laughs> 
<laughs> Sometimes he can. <laughs> but, <laughs> Not really. But he he uh he he has uh he has made a shit ton of I money. I finally and... saw that Pain and Gain movie. That movie's pretty good. I've been wanting to watch actually it. Really good. I I have acquired it myself, and I, I have to sit down and check it out. Oh, you mean stole it off the internet? No, man, we got it on demand. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Then why did you say acquired to make it sound yeah, all awesome? Yeah, it makes sound because I wanted to get a rise out of Neo. That's all. <laughs> no, I, I got access to it on, on demand, so it's Your good. Bay needs this cut. I am watching it legitimately. Don't don't you worry. Oh my gosh. <laughs> all right. Final survey news article of the night. Mm-hmm. And this comes from Poster Silver August. And it says he says here, Transformer called Lockdown. He's confirmed to have heart and soul. Yes. Yo, what? This is coming from Sabertron.com. Somebody yes. call Come On Ass, man. Someone call him. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it says here that Entertainment Weekly had a, a chat with Sir Michael Bay, mm-hmm. and he gave some inf- interesting information about the upcoming Transformers Age of Extinction of All Childhoods movie, the new classic that we've talked about. And he says here, quote, it's actually a Transformer who is neither an Autobot or a Decepticon, a bounty hunter named Lockdown, whose alternate form is a Lamborghini Aventador. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> did they have I, in in Transformers? Did you have robots that weren't Autobots or Decepticons? You had someone that played both sides. Um, you had uh, this dude Lockdown who was in animated, oh. who was um, like the bounty hunter that would like pick off oh, Autobots okay. and Decepticons and uh, take their parts to upgrade himself with. Remember that guy? Wow. Yeah. I'd, yeah, okay. I, I never watched animated, but that that's I do. I, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I never watched animated all the way through, but I I do know the guy you're talking about. All I can think of is lame ass Octane from Generation One, who was a Decepticon. But all your stuff goes back to Generation One. Hey, man, man Horton Soul, man, that's what's up. And don't forget also the uh, Rekgar. You know those yeah. those guys. Oh yeah, okay. They, they were neither Autobots nor Decepticon. But but they were they were affiliated with the Autobots. The hey, you want to know you, you want to know a little bit more about Lockdown? Mm-hmm. I'm wondering though if he's a bounty hunter. If he's a bounty hunter with heart and with uh, with uh, with uh, with a heart though, like Han Solo, oh my he doesn't gosh. shoot first. Is <laughs> this here you that? Know, uh, speaking huh. of which, mm-hmm. oh, it should yeah. be mentioned just for for the lulls that uh, Harrison Ford recently did an AMA yes. on Reddit. Someone asked him about uh, who shot first, and he gave the best possible answer. Mm-hmm. All of his answers, which I read in the voice of Ralph Garman doing Harrison Ford. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and his answer was, I don't know and I don't care. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> He's so angry now. Okay, who's, who's, who's angrier? Okay, who's an angrier old, old guy now? Him or Clint Eastwood? Ooh. Probably Clint Eastwood, because Harrison Ford hasn't ranted at chairs. And actually, <laughs> most of his answers were pretty upbeat, but I just thought that, that one in particular was hilarious. Yeah, I mean, Harrison Ford, I wouldn't approach him on the street, but he seems somewhat cool when he's interviewed. You know, he's he, he's a little grumpy, but Clint Eastwood, man, he's got a chip on his shoulder, man. Uh, Harrison, you know, he just don't want to be bothered. That, that's about it. Like, just don't ask him about Han Solo and Indiana Jones 10,000 times. Ask him about some other yeah. thing he's done. Ask him about witness. How, how many times... <laughs> How many times do you think Han, or that Harrison Ford's probably heard from somebody, I, I just want to let you know that I'm the biggest fan of you being Han Solo. How many times do you think he's heard that? Hey, um, uh, excuse me, Mr. Ford, but um, <laughs> are you going to be in episode 7, Mr. Ford? <laughs> 
Well, if you if you think about it this way, Harrison Ford used to grab the attention of the ladies all over the place, like in his heyday. That's, and now, that's before. and now, all the people. You you said in 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 one of the movies you said that I'll see you in hell, but there's no hell in the Star Wars continuity. So what were you saying? Why did you say that line? Well, you should have known better and have said that line, Mister Ford. Oh Jesus! <laughs> the it, questions I'm sure he's been asked. And you can understand why those some of those people in these fandoms have those break. Like what is it that those breakdowns that Shatner used to have at the Star Trek cons? Mm-hmm. I mean. It's like you kind of understand where it's like you're picking something out. <laughs> it's like I did many years ago. <laughs> but Miss Mr. Four, a parsec is a measure of oh distance and not time. So when you said that the Millennium Falcon did the castle run in 12 parsecs, that was incorrect and you should not have said that. Oh, Lord. Yo, by the way, did anybody ask him about Blade Runner? I'm sure someone they did. did. Mm-hmm. Cause he wants to do it. That much I know. He said he wants to do it, mm-hmm. and uh, someone asked him about uh, whether he thought Deckard was a replicant. Yeah. One, he dodged and said it's more interesting if we just leave as an open question, and two, that I'm impressed that after so many decades, people are still wondering about that yeah. and asking questions. It's like the end of hmm. the thing, man. It leaves you. It leaves you asking lots of questions. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> but. Back to lockdown. Mm-hmm. We'll just finish up some of the interesting facts about him. It says here he's an interesting character. Mm-hmm. He travels the galaxy, works for someone else. And so he's kind of like Boba Fett. Uh, okay. And he's there for one person, one alien, and then he's out. And he doesn't really take sides. And the cause of the balance of the galaxy is kind of messed up with different species play different species. So, uh, yeah, the, he's going to be – so, yeah. New bounty hunter, not, ro- not Autobot, not Decepticon. Lockdown coming this summer in Surveys Classic Transformers 4 Age Extinction of All Childhoods. Watch, come and watch your childhoods die. Nice. <laughs> in a world where childhoods die. <laughs> so thank you everyone for your submissions. <laughs> and if you ever have any news you'd like to post, please go to the Neos Listener Submitted News Articles thread in the Gundam section of the Mecha Talk Forum. Look at the first page because it's got some uh, guidelines and rules that you want to do. And uh, like always, check to, check to make sure your neighbors didn't post prior. So uh, we're on strike two. We don't want to hit strike three. So uh, <laughs> thank you, for everyone. And uh, I will now bring this over to Chris for the old-timey segment. <laughs> All right, and as always, you can leave your submissions in the old-timey thread on Mechatalk. And our first submission comes from Yokozuna Bulldozer. Sunrise, happy-go-lucky, merchandising fun time. Does your self-defense class feel worthless and hopeless like the intro of a 1990s PG-rated sports movie? Do you want to be lethal like Riggs and Murtaugh? (laughs) Fear no more, naive and gullible listener. The Obari Masami School of Bravery, or Tom Sob, will make you the king of braves. Our sword fighting classes will teach you how to be epic looking with two-handed swords, pole arms, brooms, cooking utensils, sports equipment, and even not safe for work looking oddities you will most likely buy from the internet after being hammered from a bachelor's party thinking it will go very well with your popped collar shirt. <laughs> Our instructors are always there to help you. So call now and get your own montage music video made so that you may buff up your street cred on the net. 
the Obari Masami School of Bravery. Mo bravery, mo problems. <laughs> I wonder if he'll teach you how to have a badass shadow too. That man draws the best shadows. I mean, and you gotta make a that. cool sword pose. Hell yes, hell yes. So next we have Black Comet twelve twenty four who goes Gundam. <clears throat> My brave and loyal Zeon soldiers, I'm pleased to report that the solar ray has reduced half the Federation forces to stardust. This brilliant light is proof that Zeon's justice is served. With the massive damage incurred, any battle strength the Federation forces may have left will be of no consequence. In other words, what remains of them is little more than debris. It is with confidence that I hereby declare it impossible for this weak host of enemies to force its way past Abawaku. There is no other way for mankind to last forever, except by living under the direct control of we, the chosen superior race of Zeon. If this war drags on, it will pose a serious threat to all of mankind. We must teach those slow-witted people of the Earth Federation a lesson they will always remember. Now is the time for mankind to stand up for the future. Sieg Zeon! <laughs> we, we, that's the best propaganda since Hail Hydra. <laughs> yep. So next... We have RoboLizard222 who goes Macross and says, SBR, see if you can add the background music. So SBR, see if you can work even harder. Let's go. Well, <laughs> I think you're going to want to. Oh, 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 let's go. Given this submission. Let's do it. Zoom, zoom. Zoom, zoom. My boyfriend is a pilot. <laughs> In a flash... He takes a nosedive. He revs his engine and zooms up on go, with a long vapor trail coming out like a tail. Two hearts come together to make a love sign in the great blue sky. I love you. You love me? But my boyfriend is, more than me, in love with his plane. Zoom, zoom. Zoom, zoom. My boyfriend is a pilot. <laughs> Mime, you are dead ass wrong. <laughs> I thought my pilot is a boyfriend. Our last one comes from Dayman, Fighter of the Nightman. Oh, snap. Hmm. And this one will be good. And, and maybe you want to add some dramatic music for this one, oh, Soulbro. Let's do it. Let's do it. What's up? <laughs> you want to know how I got these scars? My father was a drinker and a fiend. And one night, he goes off crazier than usual. Mommy gets the kitchen knife to defend herself. He doesn't like that. Not one bit. So, me watching, he takes the knife to her, laughing while he does it. He turns to me and says, Why so serious? Comes at me with the knife. Why so serious? He sticks the blade in my mouth. Let's put a smile on that face. And... Why so serious? <laughs> Consider it done. Some Hans Zimmer for you. And that is it. So I will turn things back over to Neo. All right. Well, thank you, Chris. And thank you, everyone, for submitting. Guys, anything before we go into our first uh, segment here? I'm ready to rock. All right. Well, we'll be uh, back in a little bit. You're listening to Gundam and MHQ.
this is Stephanie Shea, and you're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning. In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is Not That Podcast. www.ssapodcast.com The Ass Backwards Anime Podcast. Oh wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, let's go again. <laughs> hey Garma, do you read me? Blame this on the misfortune of your birth. What? Misfortune? That's right. Char, you're not saying that you were indeed a very good friend to me. Don't take it personally. You can thank your father for this. <laughs> Char, you... <laughs> you double-crossed me, Char! <laughs> Where's Sumire? She went home. She said she only came here to see that you were all right. Gun Damn, the babe's leaving already! You didn't tell her anything about me, did you? Let's see, I think I mentioned that you're so behind that you needed to take summer classes or else you'd fail out. And of course I let her know that you had severe diarrhea last night. You got a problem with that? Welcome back to Gundam at MHQ and for this segment, we will be kicking off the Votomes Roundup and be discussing Votomes again in some greater detail. So we're going to be discussing the original TV series. And if you want some more background information from behind the scenes, I would suggest digging into the archives and checking out the episode where we discussed the franchise with Votomes expert Tim Eldred. Mm-hmm. And if you want a real blast from the past, go all the way back to what I believe is episode six. Yes, it was episode six, Holidays of Steel. That's when Chris talked to us about Votomes and gave us his opinions on the show and, and pretty much told uh, a lot is of our early listeners. Yeah, it's, it's available for people to download and listen to. So episode six of Sorry, I know you used to have problems with, no, with that. They're, they're, they're all available. But uh, okay. episode six, Holidays of Steel, uh, go back and listen to that run back if you want to check, if you want to listen to some 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 young uninformed guys listen to chris talk about some votums and get hype about it so there you go all right and compared to the previous roundups where we would devote 
a segment in each episode to each little specific project. Since I'm going to be taking my summer break, in the interests of speeding things along, we're going to be compacting that. So this is going to be a three-segment roundup. So you can look forward to right now, we're going to be talking about the TV series. In the next episode, we're going to discuss all of the OVAs of the 80s and 90s, including Mellow Link. And then in the final segment, we'll discuss all of the 21st century OVAs, and that will be that for Votomes. So let's get into the main TV series now that started it all off. And it came out in 1983, directed by Ryosuke Takahashi. And it's the story of everyone's favorite blue-haired mass killer, Shiriko Kyuubi. <laughs> so our story is set in the Astragius galaxy, where you have the Gilgamesh and the Balaranth. They've been at war for 100 years, and whole planets have been destroyed. And it's been such a long and brutal war that nobody even remembers what it was that it started over. Mm-hmm. And Jericho becomes involved in this conspiracy involving a bald, naked woman on a secret asteroid where they're attacking their own forces, and he gets set up and left for dead. He's picked up by a uh, very intense and determined man named Roshina, who interrogates him and is determined to get to Bonham his secret. So that's basically the first episode, and then we see the story develop throughout the course of four arcs. And in the first arc, Chirico is in this uh, nasty sort of beaten up piece of shit city called Uodo on his homeworld of Melkia. Mm-hmm. And it's a giant mess of a city that's in uh, a deep crater and has a crash battleship as a centerpiece. So he meets up with a couple of uh, lowlifes named uh, Gotho Vanilla and Kokona, and becomes friends with them, even though at first they're kind of just using him. And he's fighting against uh, typical post-apocalyptic bikers, corrupt police who have been infiltrated at the top by the secret society that is behind the mysterious naked woman who is in Uodo. Mm-hmm. And as Chiriko's trying to get to the bottom of this, he uh, finds out that this mysterious naked woman who gets referred to as the Phantom Lady (laughs) is a perfect soldier who's artificially created. And by the end of Uodo, things get to the point where the Gilgamesh come in and destroy the city and blow everyone up. (laughs) Except, of course, for Chiriko and his friends getting away. They go their separate ways. We move on to our second arc, which is Kumin. And this is a jungle region of Malkia. (coughs) Mm Mm-hmm where Chiriko has taken up as a mercenary with this group called Assemble EX-10. And he's got an asshole commander. He's got some buddies. They're fighting these rebels called the Vila who are opposed to the Kumin royal government. And it's got a very Vietnam vibe to it. And as it turns out, his buddies have all set up in Kumin as well. And their paths cross again. And, of course, his paths cross with Fianna, along with Ypsilon, who is the second perfect soldier. Mm -hmm. And, of course, there is a clash because Ypsilon is uh, madly in love with Fianna, the Phantom Lady, as named by Chirico. And, of course, she is madly in love with him. And as this story arc develops, we have uh, 
rebels attacking Assembly X-10. We have this huge raid on the Kumin Palace, which is where the secret society types have set themselves up, and Chiriko's involved with that. And as everything goes to hell with the Gilgamesh showing up again to blow things up, mm-hmm. Chiriko and Fianna escape together in a shuttle and then head off into space and get blinded by pretty lights. <laughs> Which leads us to arc number three, Sunsa, where we find them on some mysterious automated battleship that they can't get off of and don't know where it's going and is constantly playing uh, crazy music to make Chirico go crazy. Oh, yeah. With this same military march repeating over and over, triggering all sorts of uh, PTSD flashbacks for him. <laughs> so eventually they get to Sunsa, which is a Ballarant world that was destroyed throughout the course of the war, and Chiriko has personal experience having been a red-shoulder elite soldier and having fought on Sunsa. Mm-hmm. And they meet this uh, crazy, annoying lady named Zophie, who is uh, a survivor. And they're trekking across this uh, complete desert wasteland that makes Arrakis look like um, you know the Amazon jungle, by right. comparison. Mm-hmm. And we find out some more about the secret society, some more about Chirico's past, and the arc concludes with a final duel between Chirico and Ypsilon. Spoiler, Ypsilon loses. Oh, <laughs> come on. Who knew? Such a new show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which brings us to our last arc on Quent, the planet of the mercenaries, the home of Rue Shako, who we met in Kumin, and Chirico's trying to find out the answers of life, life, or rather his <laughs> life, why why it is that yeah. it's so damn hard for him to die, yeah. and why he's special. Because uh, I'll tell you why. Lelouch gave him the Gius to live. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lelouch gave him the Gius, and then Suzaku did it. Yeah, Suzaku did it. <laughs> No, 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 that's not what happened. Sorry. <laughs> now we're making a Super Robot Wars uh, storylines. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, while exploring Quint with the help of Rushako, Chirigo sees the real history of Quint, which is rather odd because thousands of years ago, Quint was at the forefront of technological development, and then mysteriously, the Quentians abandoned pretty much all technology and decided to live simple, primitive lives in caves. Mm-hmm. Battlestar Galactica. Yes. <laughs> not, a, not, not, not a bad comment. <laughs> and the reason for all of this, as we find out towards the end of the series, is that the Quentians, with their super-advanced technology, started to surpass the limits of their bodies and became ultra-powerful dudes known as Overmen, mm-hmm. with the last remaining one being known as Wisemen and being housed in a ginormous computer and having, you know, basically godlike power. So because of all of this craziness, they decided to turn away from this technology and go live simple hippie lives. <laughs> and pilot robots as mercenaries. Oh, boy. Yeah, so Wiseman, who wanted to uh, 
extend his rule, decided that he needed a successor. So he engineered Chirico's existence and made him an abnormal survivor who has the ability to recover from all sorts of things that would normally kill people. Yeah, Wolverine. But Chirico is pretty much unkillable. So we have some betrayals and reversals. Chirico becomes basically the leader of the secret society and tells his friends to screw off. Mm -hmm. And as a result of what's going on, both the Gilgamesh and Balorant, who have been in an uneasy peace for a while, both agree that they should take down Chirico before he becomes god. So you have the combined armies of both superpowers trying to kill Chirico, and of course they do not succeed. Good luck. <laughs> and when he seemingly betrays all of his friends, he goes up to the computer where Wiseman is and makes his ultimate decision, which is to reject Wiseman and destroy him. Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't want to be God. Oh, God, no. <laughs> he, he, heard, uh, he heard Setsuna saying that there's no God in this world, and he took it to heart. He did. <laughs> Too much responsibility. Mm. Yeah. So as a result of that, uh, he and Fianna and all his friends run off. And about a year later in the epilogue, we find that, unfortunately, the shaky peace between the Gilgamesh and the Balorant has come to an end, and they are pretty much heading back into open war. And because Chirico is so uh, hunted by both sides, he and Fianna decide to uh, freeze themselves in a cryo tube and get shot into deep space to drift away forever. Man. True naked space. (laughs) Yes. Literal naked space. Yeah. Not a a bad way to go. No. So that's a brief summary of Votomes, which was released in the U.S., way back in the day on VHS by Central Park Media, mm-hmm. and then twice on DVD, but sadly is out of print now, and no one has licensed rescued it, but you never know when some nice guy like Discotech might come along, since they have a fondness for uh, old things. They do so hope- currently it's showing on the Methods Network. Huh? <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> and you actually still can find some of Central Park Media's second release. Uh, you can find the box sets for the first three arcs, but for whatever reason, I guess they didn't make many copies of Quent, so that one's always like impossible to find. Mm. Man, so it's, it's like... Or ridiculously expensive. It's like Or Battle of Dunbar with uh, what's Pretty much. hard-to-find volumes. I hate when that happens, man. Damn. <laughs> Which is a good thing, because if you're a true capitalist and you own that last mm-hmm. part, might as well just sell it to the Dude, highest bidder. I've known that about three or four copies and kept them sealed. <laughs> But then if you sell it, you don't have it. Yeah. Oh, exactly. methods network. There you go. Or you just rip, or you rip what you have. So, but anyway, anyway. sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> damn. So, let's move on. So, bro, what were your thoughts on Votomes, the TV series, coming back to it again, and watching it and doing the live streams with everybody? Man, yeah, I I did the first couple of DVDs. <clears throat> uh, for the live streams, I, I didn't get to finish it with the live stream. I had to just press on without it. But uh, I plan on uh, continuing it as uh, all the way through to the end. But uh, watching this show again, I, I first sat down and watched it in 2009. And I didn't know what I was in for. Uh, I just knew that Jericho was this uh, Herald character that was uh, pretty pretty unkillable. And uh, to see the direction that this series goes into with the whole God Gambit 
and uh, finding out Chirico's actual true um, background and what uh, his destiny is versus what he really wants to do. And that's really the whole the whole story of this is um, fight. You, you either go with your destiny or your fate or you fight against it. And I love the fact that he keeps you guessing towards the end of the show. Because there's the middle of the show where he has his breakdown when he's on board that, that mystery ship the with the space battleship X. <laughs> and um he's going through that uh kind of psychosis where the um the 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 the, 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 the spaceship is playing with him and playing with his mind with uh playing that uh that anthem and showing the footage of all the red soldiers just ripping up the um planets and, and doing damage and, and killing people and reminding him of all the sins that he's committed when it comes to killing people um and just pretty much puts his mind into checkmate almost um it's an interesting uh part of the series because you never see uh Chirico like that ever uh, throughout the show and um it, it that that planted a seed in me of doubt in his character that he might lose his mind when he finds out the truth about himself and when he gets to Quint and he finds out about uh, uh, old Wiseman and what he has planned for him and the fact that he's an overman. Uh, I honestly thought, what at least part of me thought that he might get corrupted by power, but there was a, a small part of me that, of course, realized that he was gaming him too, but he, he kept me on pins and needles and I, I love that part about the show towards the end where he, uh, he pretty much fools... Uh, Wiseman into thinking that he's uh, down for his uh, manifesto and then, of course, turns the tables on him. But Chirico is a really interesting character. Um, real quiet and, and sullen and you really don't know what to make of him when the show starts. Um, and his relationships with people start to define him and I, I, I love that about his character. Especially my favorite arc. My favorite arc is, uh, of course, Kumin. The Space Vietnam. <laughs> and... Uh, him being, he going from being a grunt to running shit and, you know, following his own agenda, trying to get, uh, Fiona back from, uh, from, from the, from the Vila. That was, they were up against the Vila. Is that right? Yes. I'm trying to remember all these terms <laughs> and trying to get her back and then, and dealing with Ypsilon. And then, of course, Ypsilon having his, uh, his, his little, um, his fit about him being the perfect soldier and why does Fiona want him and, all that shit, and um, I, I at first found Ypsilon annoying, but I, I started to feel for his character as the series went along. But uh, just to see Chirico's development throughout the entire series is one of the one of the things you don't really see in anime anymore, man. Seeing how his character goes from point A to point B, and all the trials and tribulations he goes through throughout the series is a real interesting watch. I, I don't even think today's today's audience could really hang with that. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. Prove me wrong, guys. But uh. Uh, Chirico definitely is a joy to watch. I'll, I'll let you guys talk more about his character, um, as you guys go along. But, um, when it comes down to the, the situations he faced, um, the fact that I, I, I like the fact that it was all preordained that he was going to survive all the shit that he ran into, but I find it kind of, I kind of find it also a cheat that, uh, that, that Wiseman, you know, kind of set things up so that there was no way he could die or, um, there was very little risk involved because he was meant to find him and get to him. Um, I, uh, I still think that Jericho, uh, you know, his, his survival skills and whatnot would have paid off regardless. But, um, the fact that it was preordained kind of, kind of was a bit of a, a letdown, but I, 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 I'll take that letdown for the overall, um, conflict in the story where, you know, he's fighting against his destiny and, and eventually he does change his own fate towards the end. But, um, yeah, um, I, I'm trying to think of anything else that played out throughout the series that 
really comes to mind. The the scope dog battles were phenomenal. I um I I, I love the idea of the scope dog and the fact that it's not that big of a AT or big of a mobile suit, you know, just to use general terms. Um, but it's very practical. And the fact that Chirico could just take any one and, and fix it up and just go into battle <laughs> was a phenomenal thing. Um, and, and you really got to see a lot of that during the Udo saga. But um, when he was uh, in the jungle, uh, you got to see how he worked with other people and, and his uh, ability to fight in a troop and, and uh, how the, how the scope dogs really worked in, 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 um, actual combat, which I, I thought was an interesting study. Um, towards the, later on in the series, you don't really see too many scope dog battles, but um, it, it's it's the first two parts of the series that is really uh, part of the part of the lure of watching the show is seeing how the scope dogs duke it out. But overall, man, it's uh, it's a great watch. I, I love the cast of characters. I found it kind of odd that um, all three of uh, what's it, Gotho, Kokona, and uh, Vanilla could just always manage to run into Chirico and catch up with them all the time. But I, I just I I started to roll with it because they were going to be in the series regardless whether I liked it or not. But I I, I grew the characters grew onto me as well, especially the relationship between Kakona and Vanilla, um, how they become closer and how Kakona lets go of her crush on, her unrequited crush on uh, on Chirico to and and eventually uh, it leads her down the road to her and Vanilla, hopefully uh, finding a relationship together as well. I thought that was kind of cool that that developed over the series. But uh, overall. A fantastic watch. I could talk about it all day, but I'll turn the mic back over to Chris so that he can uh, take us forward. All right. Your thoughts, Neil? It's good. <laughs> all right. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. Sweet. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, I, I second a lot of the things that uh, Silbro had said. I, I think one of the things about this show that always really stands out about it is the fact of, you know, Gundam started the real robot genre, and then, and then you know, it was kind of continued with Macross and a lot of other shows like this. But Botomes, I think, is probably, when you're thinking real robots, like our reality, God, this is probably the closest thing that... Because you, you, you look at them, and it's like, you can almost see those, like, you know, it wouldn't be too far-fetched if we saw something like that going through the deserts of Iraq or Afghanistan, you know, it, it, it just, and it, and the fact that, like and even just, more so than Dugram, mm-hmm. yes, which yes. despite being very grounded, the Dugram was pretty super robot itself. Yes. Yeah. Cause it was, it was, it was super large, um, super you know, invincible, super invincible. Even if it know. did break down and need gas, it still, it would still take like a thousand like hits, hits. and never yeah. blow up. <laughs> yeah, and you know it, it makes sense with the scope dog when you're going into real quick combat and stuff. You're always on the tank treads because it's got the tank treads feet, and it just makes a lot more sense. And, and like Silver had stated, I mean, here you know Chirico throughout the show, but especially in the first the first story arc, he's sitting there and he's fixing up the scope dog. He's just finding them, you know, broken down in a junk pit and he's fixing them. And they're so simple that, you know, they're, they're a mass produced suit. They're simple, but they're also not too technical that if, as long as you have some experience, you can use them. And I mean, my God, I, I think, what is it, Chris? Somebody had counted how many suits he goes through. It's like, Something like twenty. Some, somebody on Mecha Talk did. Oh, not, they? Not, not just somebody. Uh, 
Pedal Bear North himself. Oh, oh I'm sorry, Pedal Bear North. Oh, all hail to Peter. Um, but yeah, I mean that that's what makes it impressive because you know even in Gundam, even in Macross, okay, you still have the the title suit, the title Mobus mobile suit or the title Valkyrie. Uh, you might get an upgrade depending on what it is. But for the most part, what the guy, what the pilot started in, is pretty much what he's going to st- stop in. Mm-hmm. Chirico, no, it just wasn't that that case. And you see tactics, you see all the tactics with uh, the fighting. Um, there's also kind of the social political commentary of like they're fighting this war. They've been fighting this war for about a hundred years, and it's at a point where nobody's even understanding why they're fighting it, and it's just leaving these. Um, the path of destruction throughout all these planets and so many things going on. And, and you have all these bit players like, what is it? I forget his name, but the king in the, in the, in the oh, Kuman. Oh, Kanzo. You know, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's basically uh, the, the, the pro, uh, the proto trace Kushronata. Like <laughs> I'm going to die. I'm starting this war to die, to advance my people and stuff like that. I mean, it, you know, it, it, those are kind of interesting, and it changed through uh, annihilation. <laughs> it's like come on, pretty man. much. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I mean, it it sounds like flawed thinking, but in a way, how do humans ever? Re- I mean, throughout history of man, we've always learned the most when we've lost the most, and mm-hmm. it kind of you know it kind of plays within that. Uh, I mean, and this show's got it all. It's got that stuff. It's got crazy cults, <laughs> you know, the secret <laughs> society. Um, genetic engineering with Ypsilon and Chirico. Oh, I hope I'm saying that right. And um, and uh, Fiana. Um, you know, it's got friendship. Uh, even you know, Gotho, Vanilla, and Kokina. Uh, you know, even as much of a dick as Chirico was to them at the beginning, <laughs> they 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 try to save him, and then you can see. Uh, with Chirico is like his development of being just this guy that's just born and bred to fight. Mm-hmm. He finally, you know, he gets it through Fiana, but he also gets it through those guys too. I mean, he starts thinking about trying to save them and how many times did he save them? And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely, it's definitely a pretty, uh, great show on that aspect because it really does seem like, you know, a, real life type of you know uh one of your political military dramas that you have and and you know it's it just seems so interesting and you know it, there's just so much in the world um and it, and it's and the pacing of it's interesting too because you have the four pretty much separate story arcs yeah for the most part it's still Chirico and the and the gang trying to be one step ahead of Roshina and you know and stuff like that and uh, what is it the other guy uh, Burl I mean it's like you're trying to always be one step ahead of them but you know they're having all these different um, you know adventures and you're seeing the <laughs> scope of this uh, war on um, you know on the, the scope of this war the scope of this war. <laughs> Exactly. Badoosh. Badoosh. And even though, I mean, even as annoying as that woman was, Zophie, you can, you know, you can understand that. And it, you know, it's, 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 you see that there's these people that, okay, my, um, you know, my family was killed during this war, but yet I'm just going to be psychotic about it and not realize that other people have 
lost, uh, you know, that have been in the same thing that I have been. And, mm-hmm. and even though it, it hurts and stuff, but you have to either just kill yourself or move on, you know? <laughs> and Coquina basically tells her that. It's like, you know, hey, we, I understand because I don't see my family either. So, um, you know, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, Definitely, definitely a fun watch. Just not only because of uh, the total badass that Jericho is, but I mean, there's there's a there's a lot of great um, elements in it. And like once once again, like I said, if you're into real real robot action, I don't know if you can get any more real than uh, Botones. Mm-hmm. So, but back to you, Chris. All right. Well. One of the things that appeals to me the most about Votomes, out of the many things that appeals to it, me, is the nature of Chirigo's character. Because even if you look at one of the shows at the time, he's very different from other mecha protagonists. He's oh, yeah. certainly not, uh, you know, the naive optimist of seventy Super Robot Joes. <laughs> he's not an antisocial teenager like Amuro Ray. Mm-hmm. Um, not even, you know, like a well-adjusted civilian like Hikaru Ichijo who gets sucked into a war. Mm-hmm. This is a dude who, you know, is a trained killer, has been fighting in a war for as long as he can remember, and has a lot of blood on his hands. Mm-hmm. He, he actually seems well beyond his years, even though he's really, he's still a young man. He's only 19, but yeah. he seems... Like, he's lived way longer than that because of all of the horrible things that he's seen. And at the very beginning, he's someone who is very cold and hard and numb. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> a good way of describing him. Very true. Which is so different from all these other protagonists and all of these other shows of the same era. Because mm-hmm. they, get, they get to that point, but this guy starts, it's, it's the reversal almost, because he gets a little yeah. bit more warmer. Not too he, long, but. He's, he starts this way, and then you slowly see him start to discover his humanity yeah. because of his interactions, not just with Fianna, but also with these three people who become his friend, while well, also you know, Rushako. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at first, he's not very open to them, but they kind of like force themselves into his life, and for better or for worse, end up changing him. So that's something interesting to see, this guy who you know, has PTSD, who has all of these issues relating to fighting this war, this whole, like, biting mystery of why am I so special, why are these people trying to kill me or control me, and trying to figure it out. Some of which gets a bit diminished when you add all of the information from some of the OVAs. Oh, wow. Because they kind of they kind of spoil the mystery a little bit, Damn. like, before he should know about things. Mm-hmm. But yeah. let's just look at the TV show in isolation. Another thing I like about Votomes is it's a very dirty universe. Oh, God, oh, yeah. yes. Not just in appearance, but also in characterization. If you look at Votomes, the TV series, mm-hmm. there's nobody in the show who is outright good. Yeah. No. Chirico included. Yeah, everybody's shades of gray in that show. You know, there's, there's, no, there's nobody in this, like, dirty war-infested universe who is completely clean, because how could you be? Even Kokona, who seems to be the most innocent out of everybody, she still is able to scam someone. So. <laughs> yeah, she's a scammer, and, and Gotho, you know, is has dreams of making money with uh, using Chirico and battling, and mm-hmm. 
Vanilla's an arms dealer, so <laughs> none of them are clean. And at first, their interest in Shiriko is clearly just commercial, and they just want to use him. But mm-hmm. then they sort of get pulled into his fight and then start to bond with him. But, you know, they weren't out to do him any favors just for the sake of being humanitarians. <laughs> Of course, that changes as the course goes along. The series goes along, but yeah, uh, when they start out, they they're all trying to get theirs. <laughs> and I love also the diversity of the aesthetics because if you look in the first arc in Uodo, it feels very like noirish slash Blade Runner. Yes, this very dirty, lived-in city full of scummy people. Yeah, with a little bit of Mad Max thrown in. <laughs> Yeah. Then we move on to Kumin, which is space Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Just completely Vietnam. Could not be hiding it any more poorly that it's Vietnam. I was waiting for Jimi Hendrix to play. <laughs> yeah. Or what is it? That Battle of the Valkyries or whatever from that that song. Ride of the Valkyries. Ride of the Valkyries and Apocalypse Now. Hell yes. yes. <laughs> I just I just kept I just every time I watched that arc I kept thinking that Robert Duvall was going to come over the hill mm-hmm. with his uh, squadron of helicopters playing. <laughs> well, a squadron of scope dogs. <laughs> a squadron of scope dogs is playing that. Yeah. And then we move on to Sunsa, which is this totally devastated wasteland where no life can exist and you can't even walk around without an oxygen pack because mm-hmm. the atmosphere is poisoned and you know, however nice that planet used to be it's just been completely ruined by war damn you red shoulders <laughs> yeah and then you got quent which is this desert world and the whole mystery behind these people who walked away from all technology to live primitive lives so very diverse sort of color and design palette mm-hmm. in the show Another thing that definitely deserves credit is the mecha designs because this is some great work by Okawara. And I like how the scope dogs and all of the related mecha, be they dogs or not, are very compact. And, you know, they yeah. joke about it in the show that the scope dog basically is like a metal coffin. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's cramped. Mm-hmm. It's uncomfortable. It's meant to only serve one purpose, which is to kill people. Yep. It feels like some of the most realistic military hardware you will see in anime because it's not 50 feet tall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doesn't have a big spacious cockpit. Doesn't have much protection for the pilot. There's no, no core fighter that's going to save you. Yeah. And they seem mass produced too. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, they're super mass produced. They're, they're nothing special about them. They're the model T yeah, yeah. of mobile suits. <laughs> cause, cause you sit there, you know, like, you know, just for Gundam. Okay. The GMs are mass produced, but they still had that, you know, flair to them. Where it's like, it just can't see that being, being stuck in a war where, you know, you just need to get as many of these things out on the battlefield. It's just like, you could see that with the scope dog. Like it was like, you know, the turnaround time of probably producing those things. They probably produced like one every like hour or something like that in their factories. And they're cheap and they break yeah. down and they're not safe. And the survival rate isn't that encouraging. No. Jericho <laughs> moving through, a bunch of these units throughout the series and, you know, hobbling, cobbling together parts from various broken down units to fix one up. And there's nothing special about them. You know, their performance is dictated entirely by his skill. Mm -hmm. And even though we see custom mecha, like uh, he has that uber advanced strike dog that he gets at the end of the series, he barely uses that thing for like two episodes. (laughs) 
and it's not that super advanced. It's you can yeah. still see its kind of lineage to the original scope dog. So yeah, so the mecha designs are are nice. Um, it's got a good soundtrack that has a very jazzy feel to it. Yeah, it does. That one with the real bass line on it. That one's that's that's the jam right there. Oh. The one that they would always play. Yeah. <laughs> I dig this score a lot. Ever since uh, Chris Chris introduced me to the show years ago, it's like, man, I dig this soundtrack, man. It, um, you know, it, it, it even it's a uh, more uh, low key pieces just seem to be so well done, and it's 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 definitely the the character of the the soundtrack is definitely eighties, but um, I, I I I even it doesn't matter how old that soundtrack is, it still holds up even to this day. Well, it does a very good job of establishing the mood. Mm-hmm. That yeah. it does. So. One thing that pops up a lot of people saying like, "Oh, Chirico's invincible," and you know that kind of cheapens the series. But mm-hmm. if you look at it, he really does take a lot of beatings. He does. It's like even yeah. though he's not going to die, he goes through a lot of pain. Yeah, when, like, Con- when Con- you shivs him in the gut, dude, it's like, yo, that that would be fatal <laughs> to some. But he, he manages to pull through from that, and I just I found that pretty amazing. I, I wish he killed Kanyu though. God damn! It's like, it's like he may not. Chirico may not die, mm-hmm. but he takes so many licks. God. Mm-hmm. He's a Timex. <laughs> Timex of MS pilots. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're definitely, you do sort of wonder a little bit at the end if he's going to go with Wiseman. And, you know, I'd wow. like, to, it'd be kind of cool to see an alternate ending where maybe he did. Yeah. <laughs> Choose your fate. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this universe needs me to rule it. I mean, that would be interesting. If you think about it, my dark hand. Wiseman took, went and took him as a child and threw him into a pretty much a meat grinder, basically, to see if he'd come out on top. And it, it makes you wonder if he did that with numerous other subjects. And um, Chirico's this is the one that made it all the way to the end. Um, it's one of the things I wondered. I, I'm thinking that Chirico is pretty much the only one, but you know, just the odds on that actually working out is is astronomical. <laughs> Well, it's, it's 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 a very extreme form of uh, social Darwinism mm-hmm. yeah. for godhood. Yeah, <laughs> for the most part, I guess. Uh, he uh, was it. Wiseman proved this point <laughs> a little too well. <laughs> the thing is, though, um, when you put somebody through hell, mm-hmm. no matter what purpose you intend for them, they may not go along with what you want after you have put them through hell. Might be, yeah, because because I, I always wonder that too. Because you know, this isn't the first time we've seen this where somebody's kind of being put through hell like this. And it's like, do these guys ever think that when you finally do the big reveal to them, those people are just going to be like, mother effer? Like, you know, <laughs> it's like <laughs> I went through all this crap just for your, you know, whatever. And it's like, do you even realize the crap I went through for your amusement? And, Damn. Yeah. <laughs> or you know, for whatever reason, and it's like. You know, and, and it's funny, you know, Wiseman's so, like, surprised that Cherico's doing this. And you're sitting there going, hey, really? You're, you're surprised about this? All the crap? You just told him that you put him through hell just to take over for you. Mm-hmm. And refused to help him, even towards the end. Yeah. Where he was, un- it was unable to stand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, so, you know, but, you know, Wiseman got what was coming to him. <laughs> he wasn't exactly very much of a Wiseman. No, he, he got what he wanted. <laughs> I guess it's the the arrogance of power. Yep. Well, it's the it's the stupidness of all baddies. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of just doing what they need to do, they always got to draw shit out. So whatever. Well, his, his first mistake is he thought he was a god, <laughs> and that he yeah. was omnipotent and, and and untouchable, and that um, even though he was a god, I'm amazed he would want to 
pass this along to someone else because he was practically was immortal. So, you know, he really didn't have a need of a successor, but I guess he felt the need of, of, of tossing uh, someone to the four winds and seeing if he's not a, it. He, how does he think he's a god? All, all Chirico had to do was just take out his server blades. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what he did to him. <laughs> Take out his fuses. I really wonder how many times he's tried this only to finally have someone in, in the form of Chirico actually come and, uh, and beat him at his own game and actually make it all the way back to the end. You know, he, he might have done this many a times throughout the centuries or how long he was around to see if he can make this happen. And it just makes me wonder what are the, what are the failed stories? <laughs> in this in this universe which is which is amazingly rich man there's so many stories that this universe can bring about man i i i I can't wait to watch the ovas but back to you chris all right and another thing that i thought was interesting was that and it's in as a whole the series definitely raises some questions about free will Mm -hmm. because you see that there's this unseen hand that's been guiding Chirico's actions his entire life, leading him towards this preordained fate, which in the end he rejects. Yeah. And has the ability to, which is the most amazing thing. Cause as, as much as a uh, wise man manipulated his life, you figured he would, you know, you know, fall right in line with what he wanted. But um, it's good to see that, uh, that rebel streak in Chirico never died. It's going towards the end. Now, What's interesting is also that on the one hand, Chirico's choice to decline Wiseman's offer reinforces free will. But do you feel that Fianna and her love of Chirico kind of undermines free will? I do because she, I guess he, he imprinted, he was imprinted upon her and she never shook that. You know, I'd like to think that maybe she made her own decisions towards the end and, you know, she was able to, you know, actually, you know, truly, be enamored with Chirico and want to be by his side. But I think a lot of it had to do with her programming too. Um, you know, Ypsilon, he never, he never shirked from his programming. He kind of fell more in line with it. So maybe that's the, the fate of the, of the, of the artificial, uh, perfect soldier, as opposed to someone like, uh, an overman who can actually break his, uh, break his fate. Well, I guess therein lies the essential difference because as we find out, perfect soldiers imprint upon the first person they see and become mm-hmm. absolutely devoted to them. Absolutely. So Fianna's devotion to Chirica was accidental because he just stumbled upon the pod that she was in and then she saw him and that was, and that sealed it. Mm-hmm. But she became a, a fully realized character who, you know, fought against the people who created her, who, you know, used her skills, who became friends with all of Chirico's friends, and became more than what she started off as, whereas Ypsilon, who was imprinted to Fianna, was just dangerously obsessed with her to the point that he could not see anything other than his total devotion to her, and thus his need to kill Chirico. (laughs) Like, he, he he was a robot in the truest sense of the word in that regard. Right. Yeah, it was. Yeah. The only, the only issue I have with Fiona's character is just towards the end. She seems a little weak willed a little bit more, more so to me. I don't, you know, I, I know that to an extent her thing in the storyline isn't as important because we go to the, you know, the Overman and Wiseman, that whole thing. But it almost seems like she was a little bit more forthright and, uh, you know, uh, single, you know, kind of single-minded, and, and didn't mind, 
you know, kind of standing up for herself prior towards that, you know, probably maybe the last, like, 10 to 15 episodes. It's not too, too bad, but it just seemed like her character kind of went more into the background a little bit. And that's just my opinion. So, I, I mean, it, it, you know, it's, it didn't make me not like that character, and, but it just seemed like she had a little less of an impact on the story and stuff towards the end until, you know, he gives up, uh, you know, uh, doing the naked space with her. But, <laughs> you know, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you guys had noticed that, too. It just seems like it, it, that's kind of my one of my only moral gripes about some of the characters. It just seems like she kind of seems a little bit more in the background towards the end there. She's still there, but... You know, she was just such a, a, a big focal point. And I know, especially like in, the, you know, the the Kuman arc and then the Sunset arc and stuff like that, she's a, a huge part of it. So maybe maybe that's why I feel that way. I don't know. Yeah, the Sunset arc, I would say, it was the one where she shined the most, where she yeah. was taking care of uh, Chirico and, um, you know, f- fighting in defense of him and uh, just, just all the things that happened to her. And the development of their relationship, I think, was a, a great moment in the series for her. And of course, uh, when Chirico, you know, had to take care of her with getting her to the Jajiram source and going through the desert with that dumbass <laughs> Zofi following them. Oh, oh man, that's that's another story right there. <laughs> the one time you wanted Chirico to really kill someone yeah, it's just, just, was just, with her. <laughs> with your oxygen? What the hell are you doing? <laughs> You're just like, oh my god, why can't this be like episode one Chirico right here? Yeah, the- <laughs> <laughs> it just shot her in the face, but you know, run it back. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, she was pretty annoying. Mm-hmm. So for the most part, we've been gushing about the show, but we might as well take some time to go in the other direction and list some things that we did not care for. So Sobro, what were some things that maybe you? were bothered by or didn't like too much about the TV series? Well, um, I'd say that it has a very slow start. It has a very slow start. It was very rewarding as you watch it, but the Udo arc, um, I wouldn't say it would turn you off, but I, I think a lot of people nowadays wouldn't be able to make it through it because it is it is a bit more slower paced and, uh, um, you know, it's if you hang in there and you get to the the um, the Kuman arc, over in space Vietnam, man, you, you're going, you're going, you're going to enjoy it. But yeah, it, it does plot a little bit in the beginning. Um, the fact that the uh, the trio, Gotho, Kokona, and uh, Vanilla, they they tend to show up all of the time. Like I would, I would have, wouldn't mind of seeing an arc without them. You know, where you got the chance to miss them and they come back in the last arc just by uh, mere chance that they run into each other. I understand why they were with him in Kumin because they pretty much went with him to Kumin for the most part. You know, they were a little bit behind, but they decided to leave uh, um, uh, Udo as well. But uh, they sh- I don't think they should have showed up during the uh, Sansa arc at all. I, 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 I think they helped out. But for the most part, it was more so about Chirico and, um, and Fianna. And I think they should have kept the focus on that. Um, other than that, those are like my, my major complaints about the show. Um, I, I, I there's not a lot. I, I really find fault with the series cause I just, I found a delight to watch throughout the, the show, but I'll, 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 I'll pass it back to you. Neil. Well, I had mentioned the whole thing about my impression of, uh, Fiona towards the end. It seemed like she became a little bit more of a background character. Uh, the Sunsa arc is probably my least favorite of the arcs. Even though Udo is a little, it's a little slow, and I do agree with that. You do have to kind of get going. The issue that I have with uh, Sunset Arc is I think 
it could have been shorter mm-hmm. and just more on Chirico and Fiana and the whole thing with uh, Zophie. It, I understand why it was put there and why you have that character, but then it just seemed like there was just a little bit too much of her, and you know, it it it's just. It's like okay, we I get it. Your family died and stuff like that, but it was it's about two or three episodes. I mean, she's just following them in the desert, and it's just like oh my god, this woman's so annoying, and um, so that that was that was kind of a downside. Um, some of the middle to like last episodes, probably second half. There's some 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 fight scenes that weren't as fully polished as uh you know <laughs> earlier scenes would be and that that was that was kind of a downside and and i mean but that that comes with a lot of these shows especially during that time period as you're getting towards the end of the shows um you know sometimes some corners are cut so it, it it's not too bad of a thing and and i i do kind of agree with um uh, with the with the trio at times they seem to be seem to be a little bit more convenient for them to be around and um you know, and and it, and it probably would have been uh, a little nicer if we had a little bit more to feel that Chirico, um, you know, was in a little bit more tougher scrapes than what he is wasn't. I mean, he did get the crap beat out of him, but you, you always kind of felt he was going to get out of it, especially you know as you're seeing him getting out of a lot of the scrapes. But you know, other than that, I I don't think there's there's too too much. Um, I can really complain too too much about or, or really kind of dislike. It's it's definitely something that you would want like an advanced kind of anime watcher to watch mm-hmm. or advanced mecha fan because it's a lot more than just oh we're you know this Earth is bad space is bad we're gonna fight and you know. <laughs> That if that's what you're looking for, you're really not going to see that. And, and like Chris said, towards you know the, the last half of the show, uh, scope dog battles start to get you know a lot a lot less frequent. And uh, so, but other than that, not too too much more I can say on anything that was negative or that I didn't like. So back to you, Chris. <laughs> well, as much as I enjoy the show, there are a few quibbles. Um, for one, obviously I'm not a fan of clip shows, so. Oh, yeah. Did yeah, not need to have a, three clip shows in this show. I know members they serve, but I don't care for them either way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Wodo definitely is pretty slow paced as a starter arc, and I could see how that might turn off some people, especially when the opening episodes have like motorcycle punks. <laughs> yeah. With their annoying horns and tires. Yeah, and, and it gives you the impression that maybe, you know, this is a different kind of show than what it actually is, but, you know, it definitely picks up with Kuman. By the same token, though, while I did like how the Sunset arc turned out, I think it could have been trimmed a little bit because it takes a couple episodes just to get there. Yeah. Absolutely. And that could have been cut down. Also was not a fan at all of Zophie, and is she's such an annoying character. <laughs> could have just gone with her being popped in the head by Chirico. Two to the temple. Two. I, <laughs> I, I mean, it's like I said, I, I understand why that character is there, but I think that's a character that just shows up for one episode. Mm-hmm. And I think she was involved for, you know, I mean, for God's sake, she followed them in the desert, I think about two or three episodes. 
So, and then she was there prior when, um, you know, they land and stuff, and then afterwards, so. I mean, even, yeah. though, even though it's revealed to the audience that Chirico was, had nothing to do <laughs> with that uh, slaughter on Sansa, um, did she ever get the word on that? I mean, granted, he still had, his hands are still bloody from all the killing he's done. So, you know, he's, he's not absolved from that. But, you know, did she ever find out that, you know, he wasn't, you know, directly responsible for the death of her family or any of that? Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's the kind of the weird thing about that is in the TV show, he says that he, you know, even though he was in the red shoulders, he didn't fight on Sansa. Yeah. But then in the OVAs, the prequel OVAs, we found out that he actually was on Sansa. Oh, get right. out. Jesus. <laughs> so the, the, the TV series, so the OVAs make him into a liar, which is not something I would, I would call Chirico all that often it, unless he's well, trying to bluff. It doesn't it? necessarily mean that he's responsible for her family's death directly, yeah, but yeah. yes, the OVAs do contradict that by having him fighting on Sansa. God, well, let me ask you this, Chris. Is, is Sansa, is it a different type of planet before they go in there? Is it like a lush green planet and then just gets wasted? Or I mean, you get the impression that it is because you know the yeah. OVAs uh, reveal some things about that planet. And... Uh, you know, it looked like it was just a normal place until the war came and screwed it all up. Yeah. So maybe he didn't know. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, Sansa. And, you know, you, you got to kind of look at it on the aspect of a, a military guy, you know, sometimes. Well, there's only one planet called Sansa. And given yeah. there's more of a connection to him to that planet than just the fact that he fought there, I don't know how he could slip up and yeah, do well, that. So yeah. it's Recant. just a continuity area. Yeah. But. Whatever. So, despite all those things, uh, I would heartily endorse the show for the advanced mecha fan. It's mm-hmm. definitely not for casuals, and definitely not for people who are not open to old animation because it's not always perfect, but it's pretty good for its time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Certainly more consistent than anime friend episodes of Macross. Ooh, Jesus. <laughs> that is true. That's bottom of the barrel. <laughs> and if you've heard us talk about. Gundam and Macross and Dugram and all these other shows from you know the real robot genre this is one of the essential titles that cannot be ignored absolutely so check it out find it on uh, eBay or whatever if you're looking for some physical copies and if you can't then you know the methods network is always available it is for a licensed title now if in the future it does get licensed rescued by somebody which by somebody would be discotech as i can't imagine anyone else wanting to touch this mm-hmm. ancient show then please you know show some support for the official product and pick that up absolutely yeah. it's one of the one of the one of my most prized anime possessions to have that box set man i'm so glad i picked it up way back when because uh if i didn't i'd i'd, I'd feel really pissed that i missed out on it <laughs> But it's it's great. I'm glad I own it as well. So check it out by whatever means. And to wrap things up, we should do some ratings as we always do. So Neo, what's your rating for Votomes? Uh, gonna give it a four, four and a half uh, Overmans out of five. All right, Solbro. I'm gonna have to give it a four point five to Jerum Showers. Out of oh, five. Yeah. Cherim showers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course, man. The, the best showers. All right. I will give it uh, four and a half naked space ladies out of five. Hey, yes. That's a good one, too. Yes. <laughs> Sweet deal. And that will wrap up 
our first segment of the Votomes Roundup. Next time, we will be discussing all the OVAs of the 80s and 90s, so watch for that. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. Hey, Ricky, how you doing? Lee, I see you got everything under control, man. I'm gonna go downstairs and the gun. Damn! What happened to Rain? I can't stand the silent treatment, Ibuki. Come on, I said I was sorry. Uh, Kagi, will you please just shut up? Ayama, you tell her. I didn't mean to say she wasn't dating. Things just pop out of my mouth sometimes. Besides, what does my opinion matter, right? I'm just a moron. Call me a moron, Ayama, please. No, really, Akagi, it's okay. You're just saying what you think, and what you think is that I'm undateable. Just some loser girl alone every night. I never said that. But that's what you were thinking. That's why you <laughs> popped out of your mouth, right? I don't know, maybe. So, you Hey, you called me a maniac, remember? Yes, because what kind of man in his mid-twenties spends half his paycheck on toys? What? They're not toys. They're richly detailed model robots, and I love They're toys! Oh, yeah? Well, at least I have something to love. You wouldn't know love if it came I up with you on the... Shut up. <gasps> Can you hear all this? You heard all of that? Oh, please, no! We're looking for a few good new types. Over the last couple of months, the Gundam Nation has been getting together to play Mobile Suit Gundam Extreme Versus. We call those sessions EX Versus the Gundam Nation. Well, we as a group recently upgraded to the sequel to Extreme Versus, known as Full Boost. We're inviting you to come on out and play the new game with us. Even if you don't have the game, you can watch our live stream and also join in the conversation that we hold on Skype during the stream as well. It's not only a gaming session, but a social event for mecha and anime fans as well. If you have the game, you can add the PSN ID, the Gundam Nation, which is the tag that we use to network all the players for the sessions. Also, make sure to add to your Skype the contact of Shinjuku-Station. So you can have a chance to join the Skype conversation during the stream. If you want to watch the stream live, make sure to head on over to twitch.tv slash fighters ready and follow us there so you can be alerted to when our streams begin. If you missed any of our sessions, head over to youtube.com slash gundammahq and you'll find a lot of our sessions that we've already had archived there. Just be in mind that the conversations held in these sessions may not be safe for work. For more details on the event, make sure you visit gundam.net and click on the EX versus the Gundam Nation section. If you enjoy the game, the podcast, or Gundam in general, then you owe it to yourself to come on out to EX versus the Gundam Nation. We'll see you there. This is chaos!
All right, everyone, and welcome back. And in our second segment here, we're going to be doing um, another review of our ongoing reviews of the vertical adaptation of Gundam The Origin with Volume 5, Char and Sela. Yes, this is the one that we've heard about so many times and everybody wanted to see. And uh, like I had stated earlier in the show, it seems so appropriate with the recent news of the Gundam The Origin uh, anime and, and some and some of the direction that that first episode uh, is going to be going in. And uh, yeah, I mean, we start off in uh, uh, 0068. Well, Zeon Daikun is alive, doing his thing, trying to energize the space noid movement. Uh, movement. And uh, we see that he falls ill and dies during one of his speeches. And of course, uh, right away, we see the power play done by the zombies. And we can see that there's definitely a split going on where uh, there's a pro and a con side when it comes to these people. And uh, that's when uh, Shar and Sela and their mother have to make a hive tail out of there with the help of uh, the Rawls. And uh, we see uh, that, unfortunately, Shar and Sela are the only ones that can uh, go. Uh, their mother has to stay in kind of like a, a tower as kind of like a political prisoner. So uh, definitely some uh, strangeness there. And Shar and Sela end up down in Earth. And um, we see that they end up with a man called was it Don Trombone uh, Mass Tiobolo Mass. Yep. Mass yeah and of course uh, there's definitely some Zeon zombie agents that are after uh, Char and Sela and we see that attack happens in uh, Don Trombone's uh, house <laughs> um, and we see that finally uh, they he gets a sanctuary and wow a place that was the least of what I ever thought didn't think we'd be going back there, but a uh, place that's pretty iconic, especially for uh, um, original mobile suit, uh, the Texas Colony. <laughs> and uh, we see that Yow. we see that that place never worked right because <laughs> we're, we're this is a few years later. We're probably in the early uh, 0070s, and uh, they relocate there just because it's uh, lightly populated. It was, you know. Like we like we know from the original Mobile Suit story, uh, it was a vacation destiny destination colony, and just never kind of worked out. And and they even I think they even make a reference to the mirrors not working properly, mm-hmm. and uh, which was kind of funny. And uh, we see there that um, uh, one of the families that's in uh, one of does live in the Texas colony. They got the last name of Azabal. Oh, interesting. And we see that they have a son named Char. Oh, my. Interesting. Who <laughs> is around the same age as, uh, you know, Edward Mass or Caswell Daikun, who later becomes Char Azabal. Uh, around the same age, around the same height, around the same uh, weight, uh, facial structure, hair color. Wow, they pretty much are spitting images of each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, we see later on that um, uh, the Space Noid movement has hit the Texas colony as a young Char, not real Char as we know, but the original Char, uh, wants to join up with the Xeon Military Academy. And at the same time, uh, Caswell says, hey, I'm going to go uh, go check out some stuff there too. And um, does a little bit of a double cross. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Rich, uh, he assumes the identity because I'm sure we'll go into a little bit more detail about this because I'm, I'm I'm sure this is whoever I put this to will be their their one of their number one points and we see 
the dirty, dirty way that Castle Daikun, or Edward Mass, uh, gets assumes the identity of uh, Shar Azabon. Wow, what it cost that person. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the end, we see that uh, the precursor to war is about to happen as we hear that Federation forces are amassing around Loam. And it looks like the Zeon are going to be doing uh, uh, some things there, too, because early on we get a preview of, I guess, the proto-Zaku, not even the Zaku 1, but basically it's a predecessor. And uh, we, we see some of the things that go on there. And I, I definitely know we'll probably get into, one of us will get into that point when we go into some more, uh, some of our highlights and lowlights. So um, that's just a quick synopsis. I'm sure I missed some things, but I'm sure it's going to be picked up when we start kind of doing a little roundtable discussion on this. So uh, I guess maybe I'll go to Chris first to see uh, maybe some thoughts that you had about this volume five of Gundam The Origin. I don't like it. Okay. Well, thank you. So, bro, you're up. <laughs> well, all right. No, <laughs> not a problem. So, what I like about this volume is that you know, compared to the previous volumes that have rejiggered the story, added some elements, changed some things around, you know, pretty much everything here is cut from a brand new cloth. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And that cloth is red. <laughs> Blood red. <laughs> And is cut three times faster than other cloths. <laughs> so rather than just jumping into it, I like that they grounded it by showing us sort of the immediate aftermath of the Battle of Jabro mm-hmm. and introducing Slegger and his uh, creepy teammates. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And then when Amuro mentions that Shar is back, that leads Sela into thinking about this extended flashback all the way back to 0068. Mm-hmm. So some sort of thoughts about this timeline progression we see. Um, one, inconsequential, but uh, little tiny sailor wearing cat ears is just one of the cutest and most adorable things I've ever seen in Gundam. Oh, and it doesn't yeah. end there. <laughs> no. Although uh, naming her, her pet cat Lucifer is kind of odd. I was wondering if that's, uh, that's a Cinderella reference oh wow i didn't even think of that that makes it must be because it's gotta be i can't think of any other situation where someone would name a cat lucifer (laughs) not really even even though this cat looks kind of more like figaro from pinocchio that's true hey he does maybe it's two disney send-ups one after the next (laughs) or no disney send-ups i don't know well shit (laughs) well he he later becomes uh worm food Damn, damn. Man, you just had to go there with that, oh, didn't you? Boy, I know Stay you love... He, you know Neo loves cats. <laughs> At least he wasn't riding a Roomba. <laughs> oh, man. So, I like that we get a lot more detail on this stuff than what's alluded to in the TV series and in the movies. Mm-hmm. You know, seeing the engineered death of Zeon Daikun, uh, the new addition of Sasro Zabi, who yeah. was sort of like running the show until mm-hmm. he was assassinated and then we see that the car bomb that killed him also gave Dozel his big old nasty scars. Yes, yes it did. Not that he was much of a looker to begin with. <laughs> yeah. uh, I also liked all of the political interplays between the uh, House of Zabi and the House of Rawl and seeing 
the contrast between Ramba and Jimba and yeah. establishing his relationship with uh, with Hamon being a singer and Clamp being the bartender and all this like crazy <laughs> stuff. And, and you know what's funny is it doesn't seem that too out of character for them. Like pr- previous to the one year war, it's like it didn't seem like oh my gosh, I could see Clamp actually just working at some bar there. <laughs> He, he, he looks like a bartender, right? He's got that. He's yeah. got. He's got that wiry frame that you yeah. would see behind the bar in like some western. <laughs> and lo and behold, that's what his his previous occupation was. Like, right. No guns in here, boys. If you want, fight. Take it outside. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and of course, you know, Amon's the sexy, you know, lounge singer that you know captured the attention of old Ron Baral. Yeah. Play with me, girl. Play with me, girl. Play for play something for Sing me. Sing for me. <laughs> <laughs> I also like her connection with um, Shar and Sela's mom, Astrea, and it's like, yeah. hey, Shar and Sela have a mom. Oh yeah, who was Ooh, never no. at all mentioned in the anime. Mm-hmm. Who was a loud singer that captured the heart <laughs> of Zia <Zion> Daikun. <laughs> I'm starting to see a running theme. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and they also have what kind of a evil stepmom? I guess not necessarily. Was she really the stepmom? If he kind of got rid of her ass before they were around, I mean, yeah, I don't know. So I enjoyed seeing the scene where uh, Cassilia is trying to play young Caswell mm-hmm. and yeah. sort of like carry him, and he's like, "Screw you! I'm gonna do what I want." <laughs> yeah, and she's like, "You got Moxie, kid," which is kind of unfortunate because now we have to get rid of you. Damn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No one can see you though. It wouldn't take much to for her one to to put the to put to put uh, two bullets in someone. <laughs> yeah, and then we see you know them going to Earth and living with Jim Baral, who basically is a complete and utter moron. Mm-hmm. That I was surprised about. That he was they made him such an idiot. Yeah, well, by the same token though, it makes sense when you when you I mean when I first saw him just being kind of clueless, it was like okay. This is, it wasn't what I was expecting, but then, you know, as you see things play out, it, it kind of makes sense. He's, he's such a, he's such a clueless idealist. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, Ramba has to sort of clean up after his messes and the fact that he, you know, was trying to get into like arms running and trying to support anti-Zabi yeah. movements and thus bringing attention to them which the zombies were conveniently ignoring, even though they knew where they were the whole time, mm. obviously. Yeah. So we see this commando raid on Earth, and it was also interesting to see you know, where they got their cover identities of Sela and Edward Mass, which is from uh, this guy, Don Tiabolo Mass, who adopted them. And even though he wasn't there for long, it was good to see that they at least had some good part in their life, because... You know, he knew who they were, but he seemed like yeah. he genuinely cared about them and was trying to take care of them and raise them as his own. And he was, you know, quite rightly pissed about Jimba's stupidity, oh. <laughs> getting them into so much trouble. And then, you know, moving on, we get to uh, the return of the Texas colony, along with uh, some uh, interesting cameos along the way of, you know, at the spaceport passing along a uh, certain engineer and his sullen young son. Who knew? <laughs> or and his mom. Yeah, yeah. Or the cameo between uh, Mirai and her dad. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And knowing that and he sort was... of, mm-hmm. And sort of seeing, you know, some expansion upon how important a character he was, since it was alluded to in the TV show that, you know, 
he was a, a big time deal and uh, that one admiral pulled the Kirki at his saying, oh, if only your father was here, maybe we could have avoided this war. <laughs> it makes it makes it interesting, too, if you if I if they're just going to maybe hit it up in this, you know, just kind of quickly, maybe when he dies or something. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe, you Probably. know, I don't I don't know if it's, you know, during that whole flashback time or, you know, immediately before the war. Who knows? But we'll see. Yeah. And. So we see this whole Texas stuff. They're living there with the Asnable family and Char Asnable, who looks exactly like Casval in every respect except for their eye color. Oh my God, yep. it's Dickensian, dude. <laughs> the fact that. This, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, the fact that that element even just plays into the story. When I'm seeing this, it's like, are you, are you shitting me? This kid looks exactly. Okay, now it all makes sense. <laughs> What are the odds that that would play out that way? But, yes, what are what are the odds what indeed? What are the odds indeed? Back to you, sir. So it's at this point now that they're teenagers that we start to see Casval become closer to being the man that we know with the mask. You know, yeah. just uh, creeping people out at mm-hmm. school, beating up kids, making plans, and you know, then we have some some sadness roll in when the news comes that Astrea died of some illness oh, yeah. that uh, wasted away at her for years. So Sela, of course, is uh, upset about this because she had always been holding out the hope of being reunited with her mom. And then while she is in the middle of being sad about this, then her poor old cat Lucifer dies. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that, that, uh, that tore me up. A one-two punch, man. <laughs> Yes. So, Come on, Lucifer, eat the fish. It's your favorite. Oh, you're you're so sad. You want to be with mommy in heaven. Oh. So did, did did the Roombas? Did they do the missing man formation? Maybe. <laughs> now, what I love about this next part is uh, the very subtle but important callback to the TV show. Mm-hmm. The way that Yaz did this, especially in this color section that uh, he times it so that when Sela is in the middle of uh, burying her cat and being consumed by grief over her cat and her mother, that's precisely the moment when Kazval decides to leave to join the Xeon military, and we see the recreation of that scene from the TV series where he's walking away from her and she's chasing after him and calling out to him. Yes, that's right. So that was just very, very well done and uh, a minor touch, but it counts for a lot because it just frames, you know, the situation of how important a moment that was for her life because she even says it, you know, first mom is gone and then Lucifer and now you're leaving too and why does everyone have to leave me? (laughs) And he's like, whatever. Damn. I have to go fight a cruel war against the zombies. Got zombies to kill. Yeah. And then the concluding point, which is just the the first major dickery of Shaw. I wanted to say, I didn't want to go too much to this, oh. but I, I wanted to go on this because I knew somebody would bring it up. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, sir. Okay, so he Shar, the real Shar, decides to join the Xeon Military Academy because he's totally buying into all of Girin's space-noid propaganda. Oh, yeah. He's a total sucker. <laughs> Yeah. 
but he's also a very nice guy, mm-hmm. unfortunately for him. So Casval lies and says that he's going to go to the school that Shar was going to, and they're going to hitch a ride. Mm-hmm. But he intends to join the Academy as well, using his name Edward Mass. And the zombies decide that Shar is a liability, I mean, that Casval's a liability, and it's time for him to go. So he engineers a little bit of mistaken identity and swaps the papers for entrance into the academy with Shar and ends up not getting on the same shuttle. Mm-hmm. And what happens right after that shuttle launches? It explodes. Because there was a bomb on it. And who's listed on the casualty list? But one Edward Mass. What's what's really terrifying about that scene? is that you see his body flying in space in the backdrop of the death list. And it's like, that is so effed. <laughs> yes. And it's, it's the, and man, the man has Patsy written all over him, too. I just... Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, he and got it. He got him because, was he snuck like an old antique gun into yeah. real Char's back, so he gets detained. And then the whole thing was, hey, let's trick him by let's switching clothes and switching papers, and then... We're going to the same place, but we'll be on different flights. Oh, my God. And then it's like, okay, no problem. That'll work. (laughs) You can tell. You can tell the moment they met on that field on the horses that you could see the wheels turning in Char's brain when he saw him. When he gave him a high five, you knew the game was on. (laughs) You knew that Char already knew what he was going to do with this guy from the get-go, man. So what is this, the the game of masks? Oh, my God. (laughs) You either play the game of masks or you die. The game of shores. And, 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 and real Shar died. <laughs> he didn't play it correctly. Man. Too damn naive. <laughs> he just he, he didn't know that he'd made the wrong friend. Ooh. Yeah. Understatement. <laughs> and then, of course, who shows up to report for duty at the Academy but Shar Asnable wearing uh, sunglasses. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> where are the, Those where quattros, are the man. Were they the quattros or were they the um, the ones that he wore in the bar? They look more like the they, ones that he wears in the bar, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, they they were more like the bar ones. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> and then we, of course we we wrap up with like a uh, sort of like weird, very nationalistic address to the students with uh, Revel in the audience, like, "Hey guys, <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> I'm here, you know." <laughs> Well, that's what I was telling Solbro off air was like, it's funny that you can see, you know, in a way the Federation's kind of letting Zeon do their whole thing with this military thing or kind of militia type of deal, thinking it's kind of a good idea because they're trying not to get involved with all this. And you see Rebel just being the good soldier being, okay, you need to go to this thing just to be there. But you could tell he's just sitting there going, hmm. This is going to be problems. <laughs> you you now, can almost just see it on him. So. Yeah. Now, another thing, uh, my last point for this moment is, on the very last page, when we see Garma show up and swear his loyalty as part of the uh, swearing-in ceremony, mm-hmm. you see one little tiny panel where Shar is looking at him, and you see his eyes. You see one of his eyes poking out from underneath the, the lens of the glasses. Oh, yeah. And... In just that one little look, you already start to see all of the wheels turning <laughs> of his and Garma's entire relationship. Oh my God. Blame this on the misfortune of your birth. The freaking and, and, all over yes. again. 
you see you see that entire relationship being defined and executed before it even began, mm-hmm. from Shark's perspective at least. Wow. And and you see just well in a way too you see it too because you just see kind of clueless Garma just kind of there because I think earlier I think a panel or two earlier they show him twirling his hair so it's like yep. clueless ass guy so twirling his hair for years and not looking not in front of the men Char laugh. <laughs> <laughs> So, all right, Chris, uh, anything else? Well, I really enjoyed delving into the background of Char and Sela because, you know, we had so little to go on in the TV show. And obviously, of course, the novels play out pretty differently. So I like seeing all of these gaps fill in. But also, like I mentioned, the moments where they directly tie in some of this new material to the stuff we already know. So it flows together very smoothly. Yeah, definitely. All right. Solbro. Well, man, thoughts. I, I've got to say, this is so far my favorite volume of Gundam: The Origin. But I guess that goes without saying. I, Till the next one, my guy. <laughs> I, I, I've got to say, I've been waiting for this volume for years because when we found out that we were so close to getting it years ago, when I would, you know, go on the internet and look to see how far uh, Gundam: The Origin was progressing and to see that volume, uh, there was we were not too far away from the volume where they've delved into Shar and Sailor's background. I was really salty about that. Among all else, we were finally going to get into new territory about some of the mythos of Gundam and, um, and most importantly, Shar. And the fact that we got denied that uh, when, the, when the original publication went, um, got canceled really did suck. So to finally read this years later, man, A, um, this is how you do it. When you want to run back a character and show his origins, George Lucas, this is the perfect example of how it's done well. All right, this isn't Star Wars talk. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I just, that's, that's my A. My B I, is after reading this volume, I could never look at Shard the same way again. This guy is, he was presented in such a mysterious tone throughout this whole volume. Just the way he was drawn, the way, you know, you'd see him and he never, not never did n- not have ever have that glare in his eye except when he was you know talking to his sister um you know in those exchanges that they would have um but you can always see he's a guy that's thinking one of the best moments in this volume is when um don tiolo is talking to the school t- uh the the principal of the school and he's saying that look we've got nothing else to teach this kid he's well beyond our educational um, our, 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 our curriculum here. He and he's kind of creepy. And he's kind of creepy. He set all the students in line. Is look, I'm even I'm intimidated of of this kid, and I'm a grown ass man. <laughs> well, you know what it is. It's yeah. it's basically it's Shar uh, being Batman. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah. He kind of because it's the it's the same setup that yeah. you know in tragedy. You know, the young child, the young boy, his childhood ended, and then all that was left was the all-consuming desire to, in Bruce Wayne's case, mm-hmm. make it right, and in Char's case, get revenge. Yeah, because Char knew the people who were responsible for his, uh, his, uh, his, 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 his pretty much the death of his parents or um, his, his exodus. So he knew who to target. So it makes you wonder how how things would have turned out for Bruce if that same thing, the same way, the way it happened, you know, if this all happened to him. But yeah, I never made the correlation that it was very Batman-esque 
his uh his transformation into being the man that he becomes and how his origin is but that's a very good point chris just to see what the teacher said and and to find that you know char is just a man you know possessed and you can you can see that with every exchange he has with everybody in this volume um the fact that he has this awareness and i, I don't mean the the kind of uh lean on the fact that he's a new type but he just has this ability to just be able to observe see what's going on and call people out for that shit um the times where he pulled where he uh fought that spy he tore him he threw him out of the bar and started fighting him in the street it's a great really great scene because he just got fed up with their position in all of this and i, I their mother just died so you got to see a moment where char lost his cool and you know let this guy have it i, I think that was a defining moment for his character um the 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 raid on Don Teolo's mansion um on earth when um he has to fight that knight <laughs> and he straight up kills the dude you know he's willing to take the steps necessary to protect his sister and to to survive so you got to see a little bit of that there but i just i i love his depiction in this volume because he is he he is he's he's so intense as a character you, you brought up the fact earlier chris when he sat with uh Cassilia, and Cassilia tried to put the put the squeeze on him and he wasn't having it. You know, he played her just as he would anybody else. And um, you know, it that's that's a defining scene for his character too. I, I think this volume does does volumes for for the the mythos of Shar. And um if you're if you haven't been reading this volume this this book series so far and you do enjoy the character of Shar Asnable, this book does his character justice. It's it's phenomenal. Um, going into some of the other elements of the story, um, you have uh this volume takes a a, a advantage of the fact that it's in the past so you get to pull back a lot of people who are pretty much dead in 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 the modern time like of course uh Ramba Rao, his father haman the tri-stars you know all these people that you know you've already been introduced to you finally get to find out what their origins are in this story too and i thought that was a touch of genius even a character like tachi um you know the intelligence guy that came to haman's aid after uh Ramba Rao died you know his character you got to find out a no-name character like that finally gets a backstory <laughs> in this book which I, I i thought was cool and the fact that he was pretty much running off of unrequited love for uh haman you know was 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 a nice pathetic touch but uh i i i even enjoyed his character in this story um uh zazro zabi i i remember that when we read uh what's it uh gunota no ona they made they made a reference to him as as the the missing zabi i guess uh in that story so that's actually my first introduce introduction to his character but to see him actually as a character in this book and to find out you know you know who he was and how he uh pretty much uh ran all the propaganda for the zombies back in uh 0068 and uh how he inevitably died was an interesting piece of the story and how it even changed um what's his name uh dozel's outlook on 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 how his family operates did they ever like reveal who killed him in the story did i miss that uh, I've only I only read it the one time so far. I didn't have time to read it again for this episode, so I do not recall. I don't. It was on yeah, my I mind. I yeah, it was on my mind. The rest of the volume is like someone's gonna have to you know fess up to doing it, or maybe they're gonna reveal who did it. I honestly think Garen. I think it was Garen. As close as they were, I think there's nothing that man won't do to advance himself and to get to be a top dog. And I think he did that to cause dissension. And it would it wouldn't surprise me if they reveal that later on. Um, maybe Cassilia will, you know, you know, find out about it or some stuff like that. And that'll com- continue to fuel her, uh, her, um, her, her, her dissension between uh, the dissension between those two will, will continue to grow. But, um, Cassilia I found fascinating also. She, um, I, I, this, this book says, sheds a lot of light on her character and how pragmatic she is. 
Um, the fact that she um, was pretty much warning them about Sharp, or, or I should say, Kazval, uh, way back when that he's a threat and that he should be pretty much taken out. And the fact that she tried to kill him so many times, you know, which was referenced in Mobile Suit Gundam, uh, only to end up utilizing him later, is 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 a pretty interesting journey. And I I, I like I like how the 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 conflict between them pretty much escalates throughout this book, um, even at long distances. But uh, overall, this is a phenomenal read, man. Uh, the last thing I'll touch upon is Ramba Rawl and the uh, the um, the Tristars and the beginning of the MS testing. Um, it was it was really cool to see what the uh, the I guess what the Zaku would eventually become, but how it looked like when in its more rudimentary days and uh, to see them testing it and how they had to get used to that and why they ended up being such good pilots when the war did break out. Um, it was, it was neat to see that too, but that's pretty much what I have to say about that. I'll, I'll pass it back to you, Neil. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I don't know how, what, what, what more I can really add, but yeah, there's definitely, um, you know, it, it kept, it was a page turn on the aspect of, you know, we've always wondered what turned, uh, Char and, and, you know, some of the struggles that Sailor went through. And as you can see, she's trying to kind of forget this stuff in original mobile suits. So, and, and of course, since it's not, you know, it's not part of the original continuity, but you know, there is, there is a, a it, it seems like it would seem um, pretty uh, normal if it was in the, uh, in, in the original continuity. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, definitely seeing all the scheming and the plotting with the zombie family. And oh, yeah. I mean, it's just, and, and it's, I think one of the more shocking things that I've thought too is where it it seems very like almost everyone was kind of knew that they did it. You know that that's that's the thing. You kind of get the impression that everybody kind of knew that they did it, but for whatever reason they're not they're just too powerful or they got so much going on that nobody really's uh, challenging them on that. And the fact that we you know like we stated earlier you see like rebel at the swearing in ceremony and stuff in a way the federation had no one to blame but themselves you know it definitely looked like they were allowing this stuff to just continue on and 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 go from just uh simple you know independence movement or freedom movement into you know full-scale war so it's it's you know it, it you you definitely get that aspect that is as power hungry and everything that the zombies were the federation you know that they, they they allowed they they had all the blood of the one-year war on their hands too because yeah. they definitely could have done something because they they definitely look complicit and into just uh you know the roots of this uh rebellion that basically happens mm-hmm. and you know like it stated we after even all of the stuff that we get with um you know, Shar uh, and Sela and their backstory. It was nice to see, even though it wasn't too too much in there. But we see the mobile suit testing, and you, you just you just really see it where it's being told to Ramaral, like, "Hey, you got to check this thing out that we're doing." And I think he goes against what Gaia or one, one of those guys, one one of the the main guy, the Ortega. main leader, Ortega, Ortega the main leader of the Tri Stars, mm-hmm. and they and they duke it out, and it's just like you know, everybody's like, "Holy crap, this is the." future mm-hmm. and it's you know and as we as we're it's being alluded to battle looms coming up oh. so i mean you know it's it's definitely uh it's definitely interesting and, and like you guys stated too 
being able to tie in all these other characters and some of the things in the original story, like Chris had stated with uh, Char, you know, walking away from Sela, you know, that memory of Mobile Suit and 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 all these things is just uh, really outstanding. And the fact that we really get to see that, man, Char is like a sociopath. I mean, oh the guy is just. It, I you almost mm-hmm. wonder what if it wasn't for this war and it wasn't for the zombies killing his family. I mean, guy could have probably been a serial killer. God dang! <laughs> I mean, he's just so. Fr- and I mean, and and you'll never know because you don't know if like if this is how he always was. Yeah. Or that this trauma put him in this way. And I do find it interesting. That was an interesting al- illusion that Chris had made. That kind of the Batman complex because you. Mm-hmm. You definitely do see that with them. So, the but um, going wrong, <laughs> yeah, in a lot of ways. So, but um, yet so right. <laughs> but um, yeah, definitely a, a great read, and and you know, like I said, it's definitely a page turner. I, I, I think if you haven't read it already, uh, you're definitely gonna, you know, when you do, you're, you're not gonna want to put it down. And if you, you know, just talking about it now again makes me want to read it again. So. Because you, you almost feel like there's so much going on in there. So, but um, all right, I guess we'll go around really quick with uh, any final thoughts and ratings. Uh, Solbro, uh, final thoughts or ratings of Volume Five: Gundam the Origin, Char and Sela. I've I've got to give this one uh, five exploding shuttles out of five. Okay. Top Chris. Top, top marks. <laughs> Okay. I'm going to give this one five mistaken identities out of five. <laughs> oh. And I also will give this uh, five uh, pilotless Roombas out of five, i.e. Lucifer, the cat. Damn. So um, we'll be doing volume six in, I think, probably around June time. Uh, it's it's kind of ironic that it got a message earlier today that Amazon said that the release date got pushed back a little bit, not till the end of June. So, um, you know, we'll definitely get to it when we get to it. And um, I'm sure, Chris, at that time, you'll be on your little summer hiatus. But I think we might be able to, to convince you to come back and at least do a segment on Volume 6 of Gundam the Origin. I, I would venture to say that may happen, right? Probably. Probably. Okay. Well, um, that's it. And uh, we'll be talking about Volume 6 in a few months. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. I totally dig being on my own. Plus, I can eat all the pizza I want. Didn't I tell you for years to go easy on the pizza? And don't tell me that's all you're eating every day. God, you're pathetic, you know that? Please don't talk to me like you're my mom. You're not the maternal... That's enough. Look, you better explain this. I don't give a gum damn about your personal life. Start talking. Hey guys, the Zeons are giving a speech. What? We have lost the hero our glorious and noble cause but does this foreshadow our defeat no it is a new beginning compared to earth federation the national resources of zeon are less than one thirtieth of theirs 
Despite this major difference, how is it that we've been able to fight the Federation for so long? It is because our goal in this war is a righteous one. It's been over 50 years since the elite of Earth, consumed by greed, took control of the Earth Federation. We want our freedom. Never forget the times when the Federation has trampled us. We, the Principality of Zeon, have had a long and arduous struggle to achieve freedom for all citizens of our great nation. Our fight is sacred, our cause divine. This is Garmus Funeral. It's nothing more than a propaganda campaign aimed against the Federation. Amaral, you could learn a lot from this. Yes, sir. My beloved brother Garma Zabi was sacrificed. Why? Because he was a spoiled brat. War is at a stalemate. Blame this on the misfortune of your birth. You double-crossed me, Char! Bartender, that one's on me, if you don't mind. Perhaps many of you have become complacent. We must send them Royal a Guard? That obvious? It's the smell. You're one of Cassilia's. We have wasted too much time with words. <laughs> I'm we impressed, Commander. The Earthside elite must be taught a strong lesson for their evil corruption. Hey, isn't that that seat big shot? Just look at that seat. There is no other way for mankind to last forever except by living under the direct control of we, the chosen superior race of Zeon. He's nuts! Yeah, well, I heard you tell that a big offensive is going to start any day now. Oh, you got to be kidding. Who cares? We're going to drive those Zeon off our Earth one way or the other. Got that right. Those Zeeks better watch their asses. If this war drags on, it will pose a serious threat to all of mankind. We must teach those slow-witted people of the Earth Federation a lesson they will always remember. Now is the time for mankind to stand up for the future. Hey! Is this the enemy? Is it? What a bunch of nonsense. This man's trying to turn the Zabi family into a world dictatorship. Many of your fathers and brothers have perished valiantly in the face of a contemptible enemy. We must never forget what the Federation has done to our people. My brother Garmazabi has shown us these virtues through his own valiant sacrifice. By focusing our anger and sorrow, we are finally in a position where victory is within our grasp. And once again, our most cherished nation will flourish. Victory is the greatest tribute we can pay those who sacrifice their lives for us. Rise! Our people, rise! Take your sorrow and turn it into anger. Zeon thirsts for the strength of its people. Hail, Hail Zeon! Just gotta keep on trucking, yes sir! I'm gonna go outside and make myself a nice, big, shiny, first place medal, sit in the sun, and have a stupendous friggin' day! Gum damn it! Well, alright, you're messy. Would you make me a medal too? Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. You're listening to episode 143, where we kicked off the first segment of our Votomes roundup with the uh, the uh, inaugural anime, uh, Armored Trooper Votomes, man. If you uh, can find that series, and I hope you can, pick that up. Um, but if you can't, uh, keep your fingers crossed for a re-release. Uh, maybe one of these decades we'll see it. <laughs> 
minutes. But uh, in addition to that, we also uh, reviewed the fifth volume of Gundam The Origin, uh, the running uh, manga series that's being printed by Vertical uh, Incorporated right now. Um, it's available on Amazon and at your, your, your um, possibly at your local book retailer. So if you haven't picked it up yet or if you're behind in the books, grab them while you can. They're still out there and they're selling well, but they're selling out. So uh, <laughs> don't miss your opportunity if you can. Um, I take it today we're not going to have any uh, mailbag for the looks of it because we're running kind of long. So uh, sorry, guys. Um, we'll, we'll have it in a later episode. Hold tight. Um, but, fellas, any, any thoughts or any words you wanted to, to say before we uh, wrap this episode up? I hate everyone. Oh, yes. Yes, that affirmation. It, 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 uh, it excites me, sir. But uh, I, I guess there's, there's nothing uh, left to say besides uh, definitely uh, when you have the time, check out these websites. Head on over to where the magic happens, mahq.net. Visit there for reviews of many mecha-related animes and manga series. Also join the conversation at MAHQ's official forums at mechatalk.net, where you can find forums for this show and other MAHQ and Shinjuku Station podcasts. There you can comment on the thread for this episode or others and submit questions for future podcasts. If you're looking for previous episodes of Gundam at MAHQ, look no further than Gundam.net, where you can also find information on all of our previous episodes. Also find us on iTunes by using the keyword Gundam, and make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. After listening to our show, your next stop should be Chaos Theater, MAHQ's podcast that focuses on other facets of nerddom outside of Mecca. Hosted by the webmaster of MAHQ, Gundam's own Chris Guanche, and the pedal bear of the South, Tomopop's own Pedro Cortez. You can tune into the show at chaostheater.blogspot.com and on iTunes by searching for Chaos Theater. Don't forget that we're also on YouTube, where you can not only find our previous episodes, but extra content as well. Subscribe to these channels when you have time. YouTube.com slash Gundam MAHQ. YouTube.com slash Chaos Theater MAHQ. YouTube.com slash Fighters Ready. YouTube.com slash Shin Station Fight Tube. And YouTube.com slash Shinjuku Station. Last but not least, make a beeline to Shinjuku Station's home for live streaming. That's tinyurl.com slash Shin Station. Every week we stream live with anime commentaries like Shoji Ramaro's Anime Movie Night and live podcasts like our new show, Barbecue Night. Don't sleep! Head on over to tinyurl.com slash shinstation and follow us to keep up with all our future live streams as well as archives of our most recent sessions. With the review of Gundam The Origin 5, it's that time again. That's right, the shout-outs for those who picked up Gundam The Origin 5. Recently on our Facebook, which you can find at facebook.com slash groups slash mahq1 and on our Twitter, which you can find at gundam at mahq, I recently put up a message asking people who picked up the book to post pictures of their copies of Gundam The Origin. And just as before, the listeners came through. On Twitter, shoutouts go out to Kyle, which you can follow at Highest Metal. Flame X, one of my favorite AMV creators and video editors. You can find him at CyberX Speed. He has a picture of all his copies of uh, Gundam The Origin stacked up, man. He's stacking them bills. <laughs> Or them books, man. Freaking look great, man. I look at my stack and it's like, I, I can't believe we're this far already. Awesomeness, sir. Awesomeness. Shout outs to James Tan, a.k.a. Bloody Knight 85, who really uh, is a cheerleader for the streams that we do, whether it's on 
our twitch.tv slash fighters ready channel or on our live stream channel which you can find at tinyurl.com slash shin station uh, if you've never been you should check it out it's freaking awesome <laughs> but don't listen to me I'm biased <laughs> and last but not least shout outs go out to Austin who you can follow on Twitter at not underscore Shar. Over on Facebook, these cats were kind enough to post the pictures of their copies of Gundam The Origin 5. Jeremy, also known as Silver August, he posted a picture of his model of the blue frame leaning casually against his copy of Volume 5. (laughs) It was pretty funny. Thank you very much, sir. Peter, a.k.a. the loser villain who's been a longtime listener of Gundam at MAHQ, he uh, posted his with the picture of the Gyan riding atop Foon Psyche right next to his book. Nicely done, sir. It actually looks like it fits. <laughs> I never would have thought I'd see the Gyan riding Foon Psyche, but then we got a show like Build Fighters where something like that could happen. So um, way to be creative, sir. I appreciate it. Also, thanks goes out to another longtime listener, Setsuna0520, who uh, showed a picture of all his volumes of Gundam The Origin going from first to fifth. Oh, my boy, Nick the Stampede, my co-host on, well, the uh, forever on hiatus, Fighters Ready until we get our act together. Shout out to him. He's a longtime fan of Bright Noah, and he posted a picture of his Gundam, The Origin, right next to uh, a statue of Bright Noah pointing at it. <laughs> well done, sir. Eric, a.k.a. Kratos, also posted up uh, his copy of Gundam The Origin right next to uh, some Japanese volumes of the same issue, man. Shout out to him. That was really cool. Oh, we also got to give a shout out, a real big shout out to not only the MAHQ Facebook mod, but the great, 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 great grandfather of Howard Mason. Howard Mason! That's right, Daniel. And he's also known as Mecton GM. He posted his picture of Gun of the Origin as well. Thank you, sir, for taking the time to do that. Oh, man. One of our favorite listeners over in Philly, man. Rob, a.k.a. Philly Gundam fan, man. He showed his issue of Gundam The Origin right next to a picture of uh, Char's custom Dom, I believe. It's a red Dom. That's all I know, and it looked really cool. Oh, man, this troublemaker right here, Scott, a.k.a. the Foul Sorceress, man. He posted a picture of uh, his issue, right and right on top of it, or right next to it, uh, the bust of a Gundam. With a, a pit, with a little statuette of Amaro attached to it. It's, I've never seen that before, but it looks like um, kind of a, a rendered figurine version of a, of a famous uh, picture that Yaz drew. I gotta find that now. <laughs> Thanks for the picture, man. Matthew, man, who's not only a mod on our Facebook group, but also our resident Spider-Man fan. And he was cool enough to show a picture of his on the shelf with all his double O models. And then we have Chris who's also a longtime listener and known to listeners as Red Comet 90. He posted his picture of his issue right alongside uh, one of the uh, My Little Ponies, the purple one. I have no idea which one that is. Shout outs to Tom Bateman. And he also posted up his picture in a creative way. He had a shark collage on his computer monitor, and the monitor is also surrounded by some of the Japanese volumes of Gundam The Origin. Well done, sir. Well done. Oh, man, this guy right here, the HUD, who is, I know for a fact, a longtime listener and the donator of Argamas, he posted his on his model shelf with the Zazabi at the center, man. It was a really nice layout, man. I, I appreciate the creativity, man. Oh, we got Xavier. The Xavier. Gosh, I, you know, I never say your name right, sir. He posted his up with, on his shelf with all the volumes of Gun of the Origin and with some other manga. Oh, man, this cat right here. Shoutouts to Eggman, a.k.a. Crestborn, a.k.a. Eric, man. 
This guy gives me no end of trouble, but he's also awesome simultaneously. Man, he, what he did is he posted all his volumes surrounded by mad squirtles and ponies. And so, you know, I know they're not squirtles. <laughs> they're Bulbasaurs. I know. I know, Eric. Because you'll correct me next time we have EX versus the Gundam Nation, which you guys can watch on twitch.tv slash fighters ready every other week on Saturdays. Shout outs to Patrick uh, William D. Winto. Gosh, you know, I'll never say your name right, man. Uh, if I did, uh, then I'll be glad to know. But uh, shout out to him. He posted a picture of his. And last but not least, Abene, aka The Beast AR, man. He posted his picture. Last but not least. And uh, those are the cats that took the time to let me know that they picked up the volume by showing the pictures of their issues. And I hope to see you guys next up around with Volume 6 drops. And that's it for Gundam at MAHQ Episode 143. We'll see you guys next time. can live. Yes, if I kill you. We can both live! We are dead. We are robot trucks. We can live. At MAHQ is a Shinjuku station and MAHQ.net joint. Game of Thrones is back. Bring me one of those chickens. And KFC is celebrating with deals that can feed the hound. Eight pieces of the Colonel's famous chicken, any recipe. I think I'll take two chickens. Or add a second chicken and a side of our mashed potatoes and gravy, coleslaw, and biscuits. I'm going to have to eat every chicken in this room. Or try our every chicken in this room deal. All this for only $19.99. You're going to die for some chickens? Someone is. The KFC Game of Thrones meal deal. Now available Dragon Grills.